is off to Brent Sopel. The bigger players playing more minutes than they used to. Some big minutes by Brett Sopel to make a huge difference. Down Sopel, scores! Off the face-off, Brent Sopel has blasted one that has tied the game. So we're going to see a scrap. Brent Sopel and Brendan Morrow. A couple of former Western Leaguers. And a big welcome to all the degenerates and pigeons tuned in. Welcome to twirl number 87 of the Monday Nooner podcast. The pod, as always, brought to you by our two title sponsors in Rosetown, Saskatchewan, Mainline GM and Mainline Chrysler, both uh, the king of trucks out in Rosetown, Saskatchewan, worth the drive every time guaranteed. And this month of December, worth the drive for your chance to win $10,000 in cold, hard cash with the Mainline $10,000 treasure tree. We'll talk about that as we gear uh, up through the holiday season. We'll give you all the details on that new promotion a little bit later on in the show. Fellas, how's it going uh, this week? We're at 87 already. Treasure tree. How easy is it to get uh, sugar tree? Pam Tillis stuck in the head now for the rest of the show. Hey, that's going to be our song on the way out, maybe. No, I got, another, I got another good one, though. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, good week, Buzz. My Dale, they're just... They're just upset now. I got to get them some shirts. The guy on Twitter just tweeted me and I made a little joke. I was like, told me he needed doing some math on there. And I was like, he's like 11. And I was like, like, is that the average age of your, your players? And he's like, whatever, man, I don't even know who you are. He's all mad. So you're going to have to explain that later on in the show to the people who have no idea what the hell you're yeah, doing. No, yeah, no. So. Yeah, we will. Yeah. Having fun with the Mydale boys. We're going to get them some shirts. Going to get some shirts sent down to the fellas down there. And uh, yeah, no, it was good. Little pheasant hunting today. It sucked, but uh, it was good. Nice day off. There you go. Yeah. So obviously going to jump right in here this week. We've got an awesome show lined up, but uh, before we dive into that, guys, I think we need to touch base on, on, I guess, to start off with some unfortunate, tragic news late last week, we caught wind about a former senior hockey weapon. Uh, Guy was an awesome hockey player, right? From uh, playing in the WHL to the U of S Huskies, but from what we've been hearing over the last week, more than a, a great hockey player who's a, a great human, a great member of the hockey and, and egg community, Matt Swaby passed away tragically. Um, yeah, I think we should just start off by saying condolences to his wife, Carla. They're three young, uh, young children, man. It's uh, whew, none of us, none of us knew him, like I said, but man, did that one, that one hit pretty hard there. It's um, yeah. And I think everyone out there, and I'm not saying you have to have kids, obviously, but it's like a different lane. Um, I, I just, yeah, sick, sick to my stomach for probably a good day. Never talked to the guy in my life, but just from what everybody is saying about him, uh, and we're going to get into that in a bit, like just one of those good dudes that just everybody, and whether it's a locker room or the rodeo circuit or whatever, like just an unreal dude. 
like you're saying earlier, Barney, even just like the hockey community and, and Boz, you were saying the egg community, like just everybody coming together for this family is, uh, you know, super remarkable and, uh, you know, hats off to all of them, with, you know, during this tragedy. Yeah. It's, uh, for me, I know it really hit home talking to one of our, our buddies and a guy we've had on the show, Chris Babbings, um, you know, talking to him, he played for him or like Swaby played in Canistano and Babbins was running that, saw his post and, yeah. So let's get into, you know, if you haven't donated to the GoFundMe for the family, um, go on our Twitter, uh, Instagram, Facebook, wherever you're, you're going to find it. Um, but it was, you know, something that right away we um, we thought, well, what can what can we do in a small way, maybe down here? And we, you know, I guess it was the day after our toques were released. We were getting nothing but messages from people wanting these wool hats. Sorry for people not from Saskatchewan or Canada that are listening. Uh, our toques came in. And we're like, well, you know, maybe we can just put together like a prize pack and get a few hundred dollars for this GoFundMe. And then I think Boz right away, like, you know, we had our gear. And then you touched base with Great Western Brewing. And, of course, those guys are like, whatever you guys need. And then Last Mountain Distillery, and they're like, whatever you guys need. Um, so we had a nice little package put together. Whoever took the picture, too, fantastic job. What old guy. What you old can, guy. Yeah, you, you have a side hustle on the weekends, definitely. Right around Christmas season, too, people are looking for pictures to be taken of their families and whatnot. But this auction, and then it was um, the bidding started. And then Trent Meyer from... High tech profiles, of course. Un- he, this like this guy does so much with charity and everything. He he was just like, hey guys, f- nooner fire pit, throw it in there. Um, so then Brandon, nice copy and paste job. You put it in there as well. And then it was was it the next day that or maybe later that day. Um, later that day, Farm World. I forget the the gentleman's name, and I'll I'll hand it off to one of you guys. They they jump on. Yeah, Barney, Trevor, uh, Trevor from Farm World up there in Prince Albert, throw in a Ironwood 650 Traeger, like, you know, an unreal thing to, to do. And and things just really took off from there. I don't, I'm not smoker guy by any means, but everybody kind of was like, whoa, you know, that now, now they got a smoker involved. So anyway, and then we have all these people and then the bids are going and um, Brandon, I don't know how you kept kept track of it all but you did a great job and then um yeah some of the bids too like teams were jumping in early on like teams that hate each other senior hockey teams and and then guys like i want to give um yeah shout out to to just everybody who bid on it yeah and i and i i do want to say too one guy we did forget was uh seed mobile grain cleaning they're actually chucking in uh Four bags of pellets, two smoker oh. pellets to whoever to 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 the winner as well. So and they like were bidding said, Mark, too. Yeah, they yeah, were bidding. and they were bidding. Like it's just unreal. Like teams that you know, there's rivalries, and we do this show, and and it's all fun and games, and we all have a good time with it. And and at the end of the day, like you said, everybody's just come together in uh, in an amazing way, and it's uh, yeah, it's pretty unbelievable. Yeah, so many people like Quick Dick got the bidding up to fifteen hundred, right? And he said he was gonna donate that regardless i believe and just uh yeah we started with something like you said really small and and quite honestly we didn't really do a lot it was the people around us and our listeners and our fans that jumped on board and made it what it was so 
Yeah. Thanks to everybody. And of course, Travis Breeze Brawl, right? The guy who uh, bought it for three grand. He actually played with uh, Swabes, as they call him, with U of S Huskies, I believe. So yeah. a guy that he obviously knew well and felt it was uh, worthwhile. And, and he spent $3,000 on that package and obviously going straight to uh, the family. And it was like, because it was getting um, down to the, to the wire there the last few hours. It was like Marty Bowe's bid. And then it was... Daryl Francis bid, and then I think Keith Godet, and then Anne Gent, uh, seventy-seven. She must be a seventy-seven birthday belt, same as Love ours. It. She yeah. she was twenty. You knew her back in the old uh, twenty-six hundred Esmeralda days. Yeah, <laughs> and then yeah, this this Denny Benny ten twenty, uh, owner of Exceed Mobile Grain Cleaning in Lemberg. Um, he's the one chucking in the pellets. Like he was, he was there for for a while at the winning bid. Yeah, I just, it was just so awesome to see in such a shitty situation. And I'm gonna take, yeah. uh, I'm gonna take the breeze balls uh, when I get hold of them. I'm gonna take them out if they can get down here. Take them out fishing this summer as well. So we'll take them out, and uh, if they're into that, we'll get them a get them a big walleye balls. Have to get you a big walleye too this summer. But uh, yeah, I'm gonna get them, get them into some big fish here this summer too. Yeah. So thanks to uh, to everybody involved and. As we mentioned, none of us knew him personally, but we can, you know, feel the grief that everybody that did know him is going through. And we thought um, one of his, his best friend actually in life is a listener of our show, a guy involved in the hockey community, a guy that used to play with them. So we thought, uh, why not bring him on and, and he can shed some light to the kind of guy Matt was. So, yeah, it's uh, Mike Kay from up in Saskatoon and uh, let's bring him on and and uh, chat a little bit about about Matt. Mike K joining us here on the program this week. Obviously, uh, not under the best circumstances. Um, obviously, terribly tough time, Mike, with the passing of uh, your former teammate and, and, and best friend, Matt Swaby. Um, I guess just first off, thanks for hopping on. And, and we were kind of telling you before, we didn't know him personally. So if you could kind of shed some light uh, to our listeners, what kind of what kind of guy Matt was. Yeah, no. First, thanks for thanks for having me on. I know the uh, the fundraiser that you guys did. I, w- I was at the house yesterday with Carla and uh, just kind of shared with her, um, you know, what had happened. I mean, she's not on Twitter, so she didn't see that, but but shared with her, and she was extremely grateful and thankful. So, I guess first off, thanks for that, uh, reaching out and, and helping out the family that way. Because yeah, that's what it's going to take right now. Is uh, it's going to take the whole village and, and people to come together and. I mean, you go look at the, the GoFundMe and the support that, you know, the families have. That's, it's what's happening right before our eyes. So it's, it's pretty cool to see, but yeah, like you say, just extremely tragic on, on how that happens. I mean, uh, probably the worst phone call a guy could get when something like that happens. It's just, I mean, you just don't want to believe it. And I still don't want to believe it. And, and, you know, trying to help Carla with some of these, these funeral plans and just talking about it. It's just, <laughs> Something never in a million years you'd think you'd be doing with your buddy when you talk to him, you know, a week before on the phone is, you know, <laughs> planning his funeral a week from now. So, yeah, pretty, uh, pretty sad times. The hockey community in Saskatchewan, like we talked about it on Twitter, is is so tight and so small, especially when something like this happens, you know, anything tragic. Um the outpouring of support from like not not only former players but just teams and organizations it just and everybody is basically that knows him says the same thing like he was such a good dude yeah yeah he was and i mean yeah you, you see the dollar amount and it's just it's staggering to see 
that much uh, support, but the one that gets me are just the amount of people, like like over a thousand people have donated. It's like, shit, I don't even know if I know a thousand people, let alone a thousand people that would, you know, <laughs> support money. But it's just, that's the kind of guy he was. He touched a lot of people. Uh, just one of the happiest, go lucky guys who just, you know, loved being around the boys and making guys laugh. I mean, that that's who he was. He just loved making guys laugh. I think you mentioned the, the hockey, Barney just mentioned the hockey community, but I think maybe partly the egg community too, right? Like I don't, I know he was pretty entrenched with, with farming and, and the egg community in Saskatchewan, there's the hockey community and the egg community and, and he touched yeah. both of them. He did. Yeah, exactly. And then the rodeo community as well too. So like he had all these three little circles that, uh, I mean, they, they intertwine a little bit, but it, it's funny hearing the, the support from kind of each little pocket and, yeah, every, like I say, everything he did, he, he touched people in a way where it was just he was infectious. He had an infectious personality and his humor. I mean, the guy could quote movie lines like nobody I've ever seen and, and singing songs and he played guitar and he played guitar at his wedding and sung his wife a song. And it was maybe a little bit later in the night and probably not the best quality he's ever produced. But uh, <laughs> but it was fun. And he was always there for, for a good time and wanting to have a beer with you. And yeah, it's just, uh, yeah, hard, hard to believe. What kind of player was he? So, because we look, you look through, you know, where he played little uh, Prince Albert Mintos, AAA, then Tri City, Edmonton, and the Dub, University of Saskatchewan, and then he gets into the senior loop. Maybe let's let's go down the hockey route a bit here. And what kind of player was he, Mike? Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, you guys have I've listened to the show, and you guys have a lot of players on. Um, yeah. <laughs> it's funny most hockey players they, you know they always talk about you know myself included about oh shit how how good they are or how good they were and you just think that you're you know way better of a hockey player than you ever actually were with Swades it was the complete opposite <laughs> like he thought he sucked he was brutal and oh, I suck at that I shouldn't be on the power what are they doing with me out here like he's just the complete opposite but but at the same time, I mean, it was just good old, like I talked to Don Knockbar today. He was our coach down in Tri-City and Snacks was just saying, you know what? Like he was just your prototypical Saskatchewan hockey player. Comes in with his farming John Deere hat on the first day I met him and it was up off his head to the side a little bit. And he goes, all right, I know we're going to be okay with this guy. But just, yeah, I mean, tough as nails. I think there was the one time he fought Aaron Bugard in, in training camp, like I mean, 5'10", 165, 70 at the time probably, and he was fighting Boogie. But, but no, he was, he was just a sandpaper, gritty guy, you know, work hard and, and as shitty as he might have thought that he was at the time. I mean, you don't become a captain of a WHL team, which he was in Edmonton by, you know, being a brutal yeah. player so yeah his parents bev and brian they did a hell of a job raising him um you know honest hard work that, that went from hockey to saddle bronc to, to everything he was doing now with you know with his ranch any funny stories that because uh, you mentioned you played with him in tri-city and then again with uh, the u of s huskies any funny stories uh just from the years that, that stand out? Yeah, there's been a few. Like, it's funny, all the texts that you get and guys that, you know, they're, they're sharing funny stories. And, uh, I mean, he was just a guy to always always want to make the boys laugh. And, and whenever – I know this one got brought up a few times, so I'll share it. But whenever Global or CTV or, or Husky TV would be doing a, a story down in the corner and, and shooting the practice, you know, he would come out with this – he had this old Jofa 280 helmet that, that he'd put on and he'd kind of lean it down and get down in his tripod and do this goofy skating stride where he buckled his knees and his ankles. And, and he would do stops and starts right in the, in the sight of the camera. And then he would stop and do push-ups and sit-ups and just, just anything. As we're all just kind of 
skating around before practice. He's the one trying to make us all laugh. And yeah, he was, uh, he, he was anything for the guys. Um, <laughs> I mean, it was just, it's been pretty cool to reflect the last couple of days and reach out to people that, you know, I might not have known really well, but hearing stories, I mean, he was the same guy no matter what circle he was in. So he's, he, he's, a, he's a dude. He, you're kind of painting a picture here of that, you know, you talked about that gritty Saskatchewan guy, maybe older when he got into his senior days. Like he was the guy that probably didn't really want to come out. He was like, you know, I don't. And then he's like, you know, once he got into the room, maybe he had a dip and a, and a few pints with the boys. And then yeah. he was like one of the best players. So you needed him out. Oh, exactly. Well, we picked him up for provincials the one year I played in Waldheim. And he was in Canisteo, I think, that year. But but we picked him up. And, I mean, he knew half of our team. We had a pretty pretty good team that year. But um, he knew us all. We had six or seven Huskies. And, yeah, he comes in the room. And he, he didn't want to be there. <laughs> he told, I don't want to be there. But but he comes in. And, sure enough, he's he walks in the room with his bag. And he comes around. I go, yeah, hi, Matt Swaby. Nice to meet you. Yeah, Matt, nice to meet you. It's just like just a joke. Like, he, he knew the whole room. But he just – he was that guy. It was – he was having a great time. And then, yeah, I mean, the beers after, that's that's why he came. He drove two hours to Waldheim to, to have some beers with us, pretty much. That's about it. Awesome. Well, Mike, yeah, uh, yeah obviously, our condolences to you. Um, I mean, yeah. losing somebody that close to you, can't imagine what, what you're going through. And and you mentioned Carla and the kids. Just pass on our condolences yeah. uh, to them as well. Yeah. As, uh, yeah. yeah. No, thanks, I Mike. will. Like I say, you're – yeah, thanks, guys. Yeah, awesome words uh, from Mike K there about uh, Swabes. Oh yeah, like I said, just you know, we all know that guy. Like that, yeah. that oh, just you, the few and far between. But you wanted, and when you had one of those guys on your team, because not only was he like one of the best players, he's just a damn good guy. So yeah, great, great to have uh, Mike on to to shed some light on that. All right, and uh, so now let's get on. Uh, let's get on with the show. Um, and come the come up this week, um, senior hockey player of the week. Not as many messages this week as last week about uh, guys in different leagues. So I'm not sure, but I know that there was some unreal performances and some of those big clashes last week. So we're going to touch on all that in the senior hockey soiree for sport clips coming up later. Interview this week for Kent Bittner is Brent Sopel, former Saskatoon Raider, 77 birth date. Oh, man, I remember playing against this guy as a kid. We're going to get into some of that. And, boys, I have to say, he surprised the crap out of me. He was a fantastic interview. He does not give two rips. He chucked it out there like it is what NHL teams were like. That Detroit story. I can't wait to listen to that again, actually. Yes. Brent Sopel is the interview this week. So I don't know what else we got coming up. Oh, we got a little take a seat, son. I think a few shout outs. And uh, I know Boz has got a good radio, uh, sorry, rodeo story. Uh, later that'll, be my, that'll be my take a seat. <laughs> Ran into old belts and uh, Mike Fowler at the rodeo and got a good story for uh, take a seat this week. And boss, speaking of Mike Fowler, big come up sponsor, General Well Servicing. Really appreciate those guys. I know they're still hiring out there. He told me, uh, he told me at the Rodeo that they actually uh, got a few. 
got a few hires from the nooners. So he loved it. And uh, yeah, super glad having those guys involved. What? And the Carnduff Red Devils are off to a slow start. And he told me they're back on the old uh, recruiting hockey player trail. Oh, so yeah, if you can skate, if you can dangle, maybe yeah. shelf a few, you know, little extra sticks and gas. Good. They're good employees. That he, that he's so far he said like the employees that so far he's, he's happy with them so far okay, is good. what he said I haven't heard uh, like, I don't think there's been a lot of um, we didn't send him any thieves guys right are like, no clean. there hasn't been a lot of time they haven't sold a truck yet or, or a helicopter they haven't sold a helicopter yet so okay they're uh, they're still in his good graces good. and so are we General Well Servicing they also sponsor the Senior Hockey Top Ten which is coming out tomorrow so tune into that show so that's to come up General Well thank you very much. And yeah, let's get in. What do we get in? You guys want to get into that rodeo story or that's for take a seat? Let's take that's a seat. That's going to be my take a seat. Yeah, I've been saving onto that one for uh, okay. eight days He's been now, really so. excited about it. I have so a, we better wait. I have a question then, if we don't want to go, because I went to the rodeo the one day. That mm-hmm. jousting that they had. So people that aren't from Regina, Agribition was last week. Huge... Uh, a uh, trade show and I don't know what what do they do jeans so, and sport coat convention yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, so the jousting was Wednesday night and that was all over Twitter can someone explain this you were there all week boss so what's the deal like is it a traveling group of people that that they go around and they joust is it local people is it yeah. money money up for grabs and what's the insurance on something like this. I went like five years ago. It's I haven't I wasn't there this year, but I, from what I understand, they're from all over. Most of them are Americans, believe it or not, dumb enough to uh, take part in that. But yeah, they travel all over. The one time I remember I was there, they all seemed to like a lot of them were related. It was like <laughs> father and all of his sons. But yeah, there's money involved. I would say um, the concept, I guess, is just get on your horse with a big sword and charge at the guy as fast as you can, and it it's fucked. Like the first time you see it, you're like, oh yeah, you know, what is that? Like a foam thing or, you know, like when people do it in a, on the lake or whatever, they beat, yeah. the, beat, beat each other on the, and it's like legit. I'm like, I think they do like an ax catching thing too. Like it's like a circus event really. With all due respect to the jousters out there. It's kind of a... <laughs> do we have any Would, jousters? Wouldn't it hurt? It must hurt. Absolutely. Yeah. Oh my it wouldn't God. wouldn't feel good. It'd take your wind no. out of you. We is there any jouster? We got to get a jouster on the show for a little jab. Yeah, because that is yeah. No, any, I, if anybody's a jouster out there, DM us. We want you on the show. We we want to know what and what kind of money are we playing for here? Like, I is it big bucks or are we risking our uh, risking our lives and bodies for for chump change? Like, what are we doing? It's like a, I bet you it's like a grand. That's what I'm guessing. Yeah. It's like a thousand bucks. So then Fuel the for down the road the rodeo. I hope this isn't your take a seat, son. Later. Saturday I went. It was the last day. It was ridiculously packed. Um, everyone is supposedly vaccinated that was in there. The beer lines. And that concourse is so small. This isn't your take a seat, is it? Oh, no. no trust me. Okay. It's not. So the beer lines, it it's, must be the only facility in North America when it's full they can't have people with tubs of beer walking around going ice cold beer here and selling beer. I don't, the lineup was 35 minutes. Some guys were standing in it. And I'm like, I'm, I'm with my kids. So I'm like, Hey, well, I don't really need a beer that bad. So that was one thing. It's kind of a take a seat, I guess. The second thing is the bull riding. You've, have you gone to bull riding with your kids, Shane? Yep. 
So I made bull riding. I was there for bull riding. It's freaking hilarious. So Gabrielle, little eight-year-old Gabrielle, Roman, right? They didn't like the uh, calf roping. I'll tell you that right now. Or she didn't. Oh, really? No, she she was like, I think that thing's hurt. And I understand that, right? I get it. So the bull riding, you know when the, the rodeo clown sets up that dummy? Like it's it's kind of funny, right? And it done. So the yeah. first bull comes out, bucks the guy off like one second, and this bull is mean. He hits the the uh, barrel or whatever the guy's hiding in, and this thing's mean. And then it spots that dummy, and whoa, and just takes a lick out of it. That thing goes flying. So it lays on the. It's laying um, on on the ground or whatever the dirt for probably two more bulls, and we're sitting way up top. Right. And about so about three bulls later, Gabrielle goes. Are they going to pick that guy up that's been laying there? (laughs) (laughs) I almost pissed my pants. I'm like, no, it's like a a stuffed person. Homer Simpson, yeah. (laughs) Yeah, Homer Simpson, that's what it was. So then, yeah, that was freaking so funny. And I'm like, they're going to pick that guy up. But anyway, holy cow, was there people taking in the rodeo this past week? That's good. Yeah, no, getting things back to normal. And uh, yeah, it's good to see lots of people out and about. Yeah, stay tuned for my rodeo uh, story for Take a Seat, Son, for the Rusty Shovel uh, later on. It's I hope a, I can do this story justice because I'm not sure amazing. if I can or not. But uh, amazing. that'll be coming up. I could also tie that into a tirade for myself, too, for high-tech profiles. Could almost tie those together. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, we should get into our last show recap. Of course, last show recap, as always. Hopefully, Belts is ready to go with a read for this one for Global Ag Risk Solutions Belts. Yeah, Boz, I am ready to go with that one. You know what? Uh, Global Ag Risk Solutions, we talked about them last show. They're a crop insurance they say like no other. You need a crop insurance that works as hard as you do? That's where they come in. So give them a shout. Um, great squad over there. Obviously, uh, Babs is is part of that team, and uh, we know Babs real well. So taking his personality and the type of guy he is, uh, if he's working for him, I'm sure they got a great squad over there so uh, dial them up they'll take care of all your crop insurance needs yeah it's worth talking to your local rep they got reps all throughout western canada their head office in saskatchewan based in uh moose jaw and their coo there dave sullivan was actually speaking at an event i was at uh, at, uh aggravation the grain expo so Great Sasky local company and farmers. If you're interested, check them out. Global I'm, Ag Risk Solutions. I'm sure Babs, uh, if you want to meet and discuss over a game of shuffleboard, he'd be down. Myrna would fire it up too. You know, she'd salt that thing up. That table would be good. They got the brown paneling downstairs. Mom, I love that. Mom, I got a big pitch. I'm going to be coming by. I'll get the table ready, son. <laughs> I got the pierogies on too and some sausage from the deer your dad shot. That's Let's great. Go. Last week, uh, last show, Troy Volhofer, Shane got to meet him first time. Yeah. Uh, the owner of uh, the, you know, I guess executive producer of Country Thunder Music Festivals. That's coming up to Saskatchewan next July. Then they have the Big Valley in Camrose now. And they have the Calgary show as far as Canadian goes. Great guy. Love the Toby Keith story. Super interesting. I, uh, I, you guys obviously have worked in radio before. I obviously haven't. And I really found, uh, you know, the the intricacies, I'll say, of the back end of that stuff was pretty cool. It's pretty neat stuff. Yeah, if you haven't listened, uh, if you enjoyed him, listeners, and you haven't tuned into our first interview with him, what was that, Twirl 2 or Twirl 3? He got uh, Twirl 3, I think. Had yeah, a lot three. of other great stories about when he played in junior and how he got his life saved in high school. He almost died. Uh 
Lots of great stories from the first go round with him. So I recommend if you listen to this one and you liked it, you go back. Just fast deep. forward to the interview on that one, though, because I'm buckled the first like four episodes. <laughs> Still hungover. <laughs> yeah. yeah, we used to uh, we used to indulge quite a bit more while we recorded than we do now. We've uh... one day we got it. One day we're gonna tell the story of how we had to sneak in to do our show one night. We were like we were like. Um, yeah. On, on, uh, like, you know, what, what is it called when police are undercover and, uh, sc- scoping out, it was like a scope out. Right. And, uh, yeah, great interview. And then second interview last week, Dwight King from Metal Lake, Saskatchewan. Oh, nice of him to take some time. He was driving in his truck, I think on his way into Meadow or whatever, but, uh, hopped on, we chatted for a bit. Obviously he's playing some senior men's, uh, up in the Saskalta and, 10 or 20 minutes with him. Maybe one day we'll have to, we hate Dallas folk live, uh, live show mentioned. Maybe one day we'll have to get, uh, up North somewhere and get the King King brothers on together, him and his brother DJ. But, uh, yeah, it was great to have him on and we'll be chatting a little bit of meadow here in our senior hockey segment. The Broncos finally got their first win. John Morasti made his debut this past weekend. So there's a little tease to, uh, nasty. he's back from, uh, what's that show called? Uh, letter Kenny letter Kenny. Oh, yeah, Shorzy, though. Shorzy is the name of the uh, spinoff that he's going to be on. So, yeah, a little foreshadowing there, but thanks to Dwight for hopping on. Two-time cup champion. Pretty awesome. Right on. That's your last show recap. Go back and listen to it if you haven't. For Global Ag Risk Solutions, what's their slogan? Crop insurance like no other. Salt the table. Let's get after it. Okay, speaking of Dallas folk, doesn't he ref? He does, yeah. Yeah, I was going to say, your your live show uh, live show mention brought to you by Dallas Folk. If you need your lawn aerated, it's never too early. <laughs> <laughs> Call Dallas today. I'll just give you the aerator. Uh, so um, this guy messaged us. He says, in your next twirl, could you give a shout-out reminder for officials that are that the deadline to register for officiating in Saskatchewan, December 7th, it's coming up. Anyone looking to start or who needs help registering can contact Trent Say. Um, I'm sure you can contact a bunch of people, but Trent uh, is one of the guys. And about a third of the 3,000 officials aren't completely registered yet this season. That's a lot. So we need officials to make uh, to make the game go any kind of hockey, right? December 7th, if you're an official Please, uh, can you follow through and get completely registered? Nice plug there. Good job, Dallas. Went to the football game with Trent Say on Sunday. Had a nice time at the uh, old Mosaic Riders and uh, Stampeders. Anyway, why don't we uh, why don't we move along to shoutouts this week? Of course, shoutouts is always brought to you by Synergy AG, local crop input retailer. Brad Hanner in the uh, Team over there, they've got lots going on. They always wave at you on the grid roads, locations all throughout, uh, well, Grenfell, LeJord, Yorkton, Govan. Uh, help me out, Belts. Pence, Lumsden, Belcaris, Provost. Yeah, I've heard the crop input game, just like a lot of other things, you need to be on the ball, you know. Um, get your things ordered early and make sure you get it from the local guys. you got to get those inputs anyway. So why not support the local company from your uh, backyard? And didn't you hear Hamner speak at the exhibition? He gave the Nooner boys a little shout out. Oh yeah. Didn't I talk about that last week? Oh, did you? Or, I don't know. No, if I you did couldn't or not. have. No. It just ended. No, it was the day after. Yeah. 
Yeah. So we were doing a little auction. So we brought up one of our auctioneers from Richie Brothers, and I was one of the ringman with Quick Dick, and he's like, "This guy is one from one of the best pod." And he like introduces me in front of like five hundred people as the uh, co-host of the Monday Nooner. It was kind of embarrassing. I'll be be honest with you, but a nice little plug. It's good. So thanks, thanks to Brad for that, and uh, yeah, Synergy AG shoutouts this week. That was a busy, uh, busy week for him. It seemed like he was everywhere at Agribit. And first of the month is busy for him as well. So just a busy couple of weeks here for old Brad. Boys, I'll, uh, I'll, get, I'll get it fired up. I'm going to give a shout-out here to Dylan Chartrand. 100th career Nautical Hockey League game, and he got his first shout-out. Hodgeville Husky guy. So a uh, little shout-out to him, and uh, congrats on that milestone. That's... Uh, Hundred games because they don't they don't play good? a lot in a season. Well, you is don't play a lot. Hundred games to get a shutout is that impressive or is well, no? That... It's not impressive, but just shout out to him. Hundred. I think it's just impressive. You guy played a hundred games as a attendee in uh, senior hockey. What do you play? Fifteen nice. games a year, 20, 20 games a season max. Probably six seven years if you played every game, which is goalie probably doesn't right. So probably get yeah. ten years, fifteen years back there. Yeah, shout out to him. I got a couple shout outs from uh, mentioned that great expo at Canadian Western Exhibition. A couple of guys came up to me actually when I was at my booth after Brad said that and said they're big fans from, I think they were out from the Rolo area actually. Uh, Ryan Hoffman came up, said loves the show. Said he's not a huge senior hockey guy, but he loves listening to the guests that uh, he grew up watching. You know, a lot of these guys, when we talk about their dub years, he's like, that's when I was uh, watching the game when I was a kid. So Ryan Hoffman, there was another guy, I think Thomas Robinson, that's a big fan of uh, the program that, I ran into so thanks for listening fellas i am gonna go with uh edmund belgard former chief of the uh fall hills tribal council he's now a part of the ceo of the e-commerce thing going on out there because uh jeremy fourhorns is the new tribal chief out there so nice uh Nice on him for winning. Edmund can passing things over to uh, Jeremy. There's so a couple of beauties here. Got to give them a plug. Um, also, everyone that I heard this story a few times, parent-teacher interviews, uh, they don't call them that anymore. They, uh, what are they called? Any conferences, whatever. Conferences, yeah. Yeah, kid conferences. We all know yeah. they can't fail anymore, yada, yada, yada. Yeah. We get, uh, every, I, in Regina, and actually one in Saskatoon, I heard uh, some teachers say, well, I was surprised. Had some families, parents in Monday Nooner gear. Must have been the dads. But had, yeah. So anyone that was on a parent-teacher interview in Saskatchewan last week and you had Monday Nooner gear on, thank you very much. That's awesome. And then one rando one. I saw this guy the other day at a local tavern, and there is a few of them still out there. Thumb guy on Golden Tea. Ah, dying art guy that plays golden yeah. tea and uses his thumbs. Oh, this guy was good. And I was like, got to give a plug to those guys. Cause I, yeah, I always thought, uh, I was always fascinated by thumb, thumb guy for golden tea. Those are mine. I got one more. I'll shuck one more in here. My, uh, my old boss, cause he just retired. Rob Kleiser, I'm going to give a shout out to him. Retired finally after about 40 years. And, uh, yeah, he's going to take mama skiing probably. And, uh, yeah, head note retired gonna live the life and a big shout out to him retired guy that goes skiing ballsy move yeah skiing no more health insurance no more health insurance no more benefits skiing is one of those things that when you get like over the age of 35 you got to start really thinking because the wrong turn and you're blowing out something Uh, knock on wood how about that uh sorry 
How about that guy on Twitter who sent us all those game sheets and uh, programs from like the history? Like, holy <laughs> shit. Guys uh, got some recycling to do. But uh, Stacy Gallant, he, <laughs> I think he took your comment seriously there about uh, sending in, in game sheets. But they all seemed like they were like historic or something. I didn't go through them all, but they uh, are. They're like a lot of them were from the uh, late 90s, early 2000s. Like, I, I recognize, I think the one Delisle game, it's like, Jimmy Clemenhaga and then the Lorburn ones. It's like, I don't know if it's Actor and, and uh, Forrest I recognize. Um, and then there's a Longonger. Shane Longonger was on yeah. there, former Blades. So, yeah, there's some good uh, good retro uh, retro game sheets from Stace. Hey, I wanted to uh, give a quick plug to the Birch Hills Blackhawks. They've been bugging us with their fundraiser. Uh, they got Gordy Bamford, former guest of the pod, coming in to do a little show. His like kick it the COVID tour or whatever name it is. Uh, few still a few tickets left. So anybody up in the northern part of the province, go check out uh, Gordy B in Birch Hills. Becoming a fan of the Blackhawks up there. What's Good the group. date? December eleventh. Right away. Next weekend. Yeah. Next weekend. So support the tour Black starts Hawks. the day before, and then uh, he's going to be in Birch Hills. So go support them and have a fun night out if you're in that area. Why wouldn't a guy? Boz, before we get in the interview, uh, what's going up, uh, going on out there at Rosetown? Yeah, they got a new promotion actually here for December. The Black Friday month uh, ended. So the month of December, both dealerships kind of run in the same uh, promotion. Purchase any new or used vehicle and you could win a one in five shot at 10,000 scoots cash. The mainline $10,000 treasure tree. Um Cole's notes of how it works, I guess. Anyone who purchases purchases, pardon me, a vehicle from either of the uh, dealerships, GM or Chrysler and Rosetown, gets to pick a treasure off the Christmas tree. They've got uh, little gift boxes and envelopes and stuff on the tree. So you get your treasure. It could be a gift card. They've got a bunch of them, the Keg, Tim Hortons, iTunes, a whole bunch of uh, gift cards. And yeah. Hopefully some local uh, companies too, some local businesses scattered in there. Yeah, for sure. Absolutely. I know they do a lot uh, out there for that community. So then at the end of the month, there's like a, a draw of one of the purchasers. So not only you get that first prize, but then you're entered for a one in five shot at $10,000. I want to know who won the electric bike. It's not till December, I don't think, like oh. till later this month. Oh, you know what? Yeah. They, you know what? Like, since they're such senior hockey uh, supporters and, and hockey in general, there for this sugar tree, you know, like old prices, right? The odd time you'd play something and the prizes weren't always good. So they should have put like boxes of like funny hockey things like to, to win. To be, be like, oh, it's in the box. Oh, fucking tinted visor as if I'm going to wear that or like Technoflex gloves or some. Have XL, some bad, XL7. Have some bad, uh, some bad ones as well. I got a Tim Hortons roll up there in. I want some $50 this year to skull for skull candy headphones. So I'm Did like, you get some? Freaking right. So I went and looked. They're like $200. I'm like, oh, 25% off. Decent. <laughs> anyway, uh, yeah, that's going on at the King of Trucks all month long. And also, you finance any new or used vehicle, get $5,000 Christmas cash back this month as well at both dealerships out in Rosetown. That's a long plug. I got the money's worth this week. All right, Shink, let's get into the interview. As always, brought to you by Kent Bittner, mortgageformycouch.com. If you guys are looking for a mortgage, it is always mortgage season, especially going into Christmas. I think the market is still hot as interest rates are still low. So if you're looking for a, looking for a house, a cottage, any kind of property, get a hold of Kent Bittner. He will take care of you. Why wouldn't a guy? 
keep your money local. This week's interview, Absolute Weapon won a jug with Chicago, played in a, on a few different uh, few different NHL teams, few AHL teams. He uh, has come out lately with his dyslexia and has started his own foundation. Pretty cool story. He absolutely says it like it is. Here he is, Brent Sopel. I knew they were going to be a bit of a wagon. Joining us all the way from Dallas, Texas, 659 games in the show, 218 points, and a Stanley Cup. Brent Sopel, Soaps, thanks for joining us on the Monday Nooner. Uh, thanks for having me. Always, like, you know, spit me in during your busy schedule. I know you guys got a lot going on. <laughs> and one thing, one thing I I told Barney uh, yesterday, I said the, the my fondest memory of Soaps and we played together in Swift in junior, and he made me some ribs. Probably the best ribs I ever had when he was living at uh, at Dr. Bussey's ever. Well, at that point in time, they were not anymore. We were 15 or 16 years old. That's right. That's right. That's right. So yeah, that was uh, so yeah. Soap's old teammate of mine. And uh, so you're, you're in Dallas now you're, uh, you're hanging your hat there. You said you started a new company. Uh, Tell everybody, tell everybody what's going on with that. Yeah, I know I got, uh, <laughs> I've been around life after hockey's taken me through some, through ups and downs, started my foundation, but uh, I got uh, my own solar company and uh, putting headquarters and roots here in Dallas, Texas. And we work in Dallas and uh, Texas, Florida and in Illinois. So I'm not, a, I haven't been back to Canada in many, many years. So um, maybe yeah, I'll see if I can put some roots uh, in the solar company in Canada soon. So you, uh, we go, if we go all the way back, you're born in Calgary. But you, I think you played most of your, what did you play most of your junior hockey or your minor hockey? I mean, sorry. Yeah, I was born in Calgary, but moved when I was like two or three to Saskatoon. So basically that, you know, that's home for me. Um, that's where the roots are. That's where everything, all the minor hockey was that, uh, the Raiders zone in Saskatoon. <laughs> Everybody all knows right. zones hey, back hey. in the day. You're talking to, you're talking to an old Baron here. So, uh, <laughs> let's, let's, let's get into it. Did you, uh. No, did you like the uh, when you guys shifted to the maroon Cooperalls? Where'd you pick those up? Mayfair Sports, or was that a Hub City Sports? <laughs> did a lot of my parents half my paychecks went to Mayfair Sports. <laughs> I missed uh, the maroon. <laughs> yeah, um, we had uh, we had Rhett Warner on too, and uh, you know we went back uh, went back with him. One thing I, I always ask the old Saskatoon guys from around uh, our our birth year, I guess was what was your favorite barn? Because uh, Warner went with Archibald just because you Northenders. That was nice and close. But what was, uh, when you go back to the old city rinks in Saskatoon, what do you remember and which was your fave? Yeah, you know, Warnsy and I were both both Raiders. At one point in time, they made a rule that him and I could be on the same team. Same team. <laughs> so rinks, yeah, itchy balls was always nice and close. So uh, that was good. But go back to the old, uh, I played the old contacts and the old exhibition barn. You know, yeah. concrete boards, <laughs> steel yeah. pillars, nothing like chewing on a steel pillar, you know, dumping it in in the third period, trying to get a win. And then the horse smell coming from the far end. Dude, that was nothing. That was, that's Saskatchewan, baby. That's, there's nothing better. You know, <laughs> you just sniffing salt now. I know back in the day, it was the old horse, horse shit. I was, uh, I was telling these guys the first ever original, and Warner talked about this first ever twin rink in Saskatchewan was in Saskatoon, the old Wheatland arena, but there was no partition. So it was like, remember that the whistle would blow. Oh, we all stop. Hey, who's that? Oh no, wrong. Keep going. You need two whistles or if you're on one side of the ice. You need two whistles, you know, two quick whistles, you know, it's on your side. Yeah, I was, 
<laughs> we're, we're not the smartest group of characters anyways and you only have to two rinks side by side you thought about that jesus uh 77s do you remember uh you know going back uh who do you remember do you remember playing against you know like the the wade reddens the jeff friesens all remember how good those guys were yeah well you know i knew you no know, freezy back you know back in the triple a days you know watching him play he <laughs> freezy wore the same skates for about 15 years in a row Blew, blew out the one, you know, he was leading, I think he was leading point getter by like 30 points. And he, same skates for like, like when I say 15 years, they were falling out of the side. Oh yeah. No, you know, there's certain guys that were just head and shoulders above guys and, you know, that, you know, him and obviously Reggie going first overall for a reason, the career he had, but Jeff Friesen was a special, special one. He was fun to watch. Fucking hated chasing him around the ice. Could never catch him. I, I don't even know if you're going to remember this, but the only thing I remember playing against you, besides like you, you, on the back end, you were you were something something special. Like uh, when we would play the Barons and Raiders, but you taped your stick in Adam the whole shaft with like thick tape. It was like Coho or Titan, whatever. Like oh, you Titan know, Eurocur, this one, come on. <laughs> and the whole shaft was taped. It was like that thing must have weighed like 15 pounds. You know, I and I had a skate lace. You know, so I wrapped it with it, with, you know, with the, with the skate lace. I, I hated, I hated the slippiness of sticks. So actually, so when I turned pro, I hate, I had certain parts of that stick, you know, it's where I knew where I could put my hands. Yeah. I was using a two by four. Like, listen, I had no skill here, dude. As you know, <laughs> I was up and down the ice high off the glass and out. Got, yeah. Not a lot of glass at the exhibition. So you had to change your <laughs> game into contacts. What's your favorite, uh, what's your favorite memory about playing uh, for uh, Mr. Mack and, and the contacts? Just, you know, what? just that name right there, you know, he cared, you know, he was, he was a reason why hockey's way should be, you know, he loved, he didn't care about making money. He just wanted to break even. And it was about the kids every single day. You know, there, I wish hockey was that way again. He defined what life should be, uh, you know, as a kid, he wanted to see a smile on every player's face. It didn't matter if we won. It didn't matter if we lost you know, dragging that skate sharpener. He was just, he was something special. Never, we'll never forget that guy. I wish that every, every hockey player had a chance to play for the contacts just to know who he was as a human being. Nice words. Nice words. So then after that, you actually play for the blades, your hometown blades. Was that something special? Like, were you excited to be able to do that? Obviously you probably grew up watching them and then you get to play for your like hometown team. Yeah. You know, I obviously was, I never got drafted in the Bantam draft. I got AP by the contacts. I think the, my first game, I think I had two and two, you know, two goals to assist. I'm like, this dumb shit is easy. Four points for a night. <laughs> so, yeah, you know, growing up and watching them, you know, train with, with all those guys and Warner and uh, Clark and all the boys, Belak, you know, you know, McAllister, just trained with all those guys. So, yeah, was it special 100%? Was I pissed to get traded? Yeah, I was. Who? Nobody wants to leave home. You know, I was pocketing those three hundred three hundred dollar billet checks. My parents <laughs> were giving it to me, so <laughs> right, so three hundred dollars went a long ways back then. Bootleg or Lawson Heights Mall? Here I come. One hundred percent. Kickstarters are just rolling in it. So that's three hundred dollars in my mom's minivan. <laughs> so let's talk about uh, you know you head down to Swift. You really become maybe more offensive than you probably had ever been at that point in time. Yeah. You know what? Uh, like I said, you know, I, I, uh, 
I say I got pissed, you know, getting traded, but that that was really a pit me of what uh, you know what set the wheels in motion for me to to be a to be a pro. You know, leaving home for the first time is never easy, but especially getting traded at four thirty, you know, uh, in the afternoon, getting traded, you're gone the next morning, you pick up, change schools, um, you know, and walk into that dressing room and see guys like Belt standing there going, "Who's this ugly dude walking in?" But uh, Todd McCollum was, you know, he, he was, he, he was a guy that really got me going, you know, he, he had, uh, you know, had a love very hate relationship. He was amazing. You know, you know, he, he pushed guys in certain ways. That's why he's still in the NHL coaching. What do you remember from, uh, those dub days? Any good stories? Like obviously the dub in the mid nineties was a little bit different hockey than we see, uh, nowadays, uh, any memories or shit shows or anything that stand out from those years? Shit shows. There's always, there was always, at least one line brawl every other game. We had a bench clearing brawl in Leftbridge, the whole bench. It was everybody, you know, we had, I think 10 guys got kicked out. And if you ever did that now, I think they might cancel the whole league. But that's what that's what the game was. If you weren't able, if you weren't able and willing to fight every single didn't matter if you're a goal scorer or not, there was three or four heavyweights on every team. And it was uh you know, some long bus rides, some cold nights, and bus breakdown where we're pushing it. I know uh, Swifty uh, Belt Tank, a few times he rolled in at three o'clock in the morning, it's minus 40, minus 50. You know, we're just hoping one car would start. So you're uh, after 94, 95. So that's the year you get traded. You have a good year and you get drafted in the sixth round, 144th overall to the Canucks. Was that, was that a surprise? Did you expect to go there? No, I was, you know, obviously on the offensive side, I was rated um, to go earlier. And, you know, I was pissed that I went there. You know, you, you set your hopes to what the, you know, what those rankings set. And that's who dictates where you're going to go. And usually they're, you know, pretty good. But obviously the one thing that I was always known for is a, being a real slow skater. You know, I was in the NHL, I was always rated the slowest and the ugliest. And um, that's why I ended up going 144. But for me, I always had to prove myself. I was never drafting the banner draft. I got AP'd. You know, I never was never never a guy that was was highly highly rated. So I used that mode of motivation to to keep proving myself. There was not one day in my NHL career where I thought I made it. You know, and there's so many kids nowadays, right? That the emphasis is put so much on skating because it's such a speed thing. Was there something that you did specifically? Did you go see somebody? Did you do like plyometrics or something crazy? Or did was it just a mindset and you just changed your game or something come to you? How did that work? You know, everything, you know, every, for myself, you know, everything in this world is mindset. But, um, you know, I didn't find myself so... My dyslexia, you know, is what I found out really was what uh, made me, you know, Bells could say, you know, my anticipation was was where my game was. You know, I I, I knew where things were going to go before they were going to happen. And that's that's really where I, where I excelled, even though I was the slowest. Uh, I just I knew what was going to happen before I get there. And I didn't figure that kind of stuff out till later in my life. Um, that is my dyslexia. Um, that's really uh, put me in place. So. I always had to work harder because I struggled at that certain things, but you know, the certain things that anticipation really is only reason that made me successful. When you find out about the dyslexia and you're going through all this, do you lean on anyone? Is there any other pro athletes, anyone help you through this, uh, Brent? No, you know, um, 
I found out when I was 32 years old and um, I was still in my middle of my career, close to my end of my career. And I found out by getting my daughter tested. So I really focused on her and, um, you know, there's a lot, a lot of people to lean on when it comes to that kind of stuff there. Cause there's not a lot of people that talk about that. You know, I got sober, um, and really started understanding that stuff more. So I kind of, I dove into myself, uh, more and, uh, I had a lot of crazy rituals. You ask anybody like, dude, this guy was out of my mind, but that was, that was me not knowing how my life really worked and really understood who I was. Um, so I did a lot of fucked up stuff, you know, rituals. And if I didn't do it exactly the same way, every time my life was a complete shamble, I had no idea what, how, how to function. Give us an example. Uh, well, you know, I, I never slept. Obviously there's no pregame routine. There's no pregame naps. You know, if I was in Denver, you know, go to the mall shopping or if I was in Anaheim, uh, go, go to Disneyland for the day. So I always wanted to be walking into the rink exhausted. Wow. Yeah. You know, guys slept, everybody slept. I always want the more, the, and again, this is so just how my mind works. The more uh, refreshed I was walking in the game, the worse I felt on the ice. So when you were 32 years old, you said you were diagnosed. That would have been just trying to do quick math right around when you were in Chicago and, yeah. and you won the cup. Like that was around that year. Yes. Yeah. I found out when I was in Chicago and again, I didn't even really know what that word was. I, I did. We did some work with it. And I was just focused on my daughter. You know, I couldn't change anything about myself at that point in time because I was, um, all I knew was this. All I knew was myself and I only knew this, this, and this. You know, I couldn't, I just kind of step out of that box because I was lost. So I focused on getting my daughter help. And I didn't really know what all that meant until, you know, after my career was over and um, I ended up, you know, going to rehab and getting sober. Then I could understand, you know, that kind of stuff more. So if we go ahead, I'm going to just, I'm going to keep on this train. If we go ahead 12 years to today, if someone gets diagnosed with something like that, let's say in the NHL, the, the help and the people that they can lean on, it must be so much more significant now. Do you feel that you had a big hand in, in, in guiding that, uh, that, in that direction? You know, so, um, to answer your question, yes and no, you know, uh, obviously everything's out there more today than it was 12 years ago. No, no question. But yeah. dyslexia is something that is not talked about. It is, um, there's a lot of embarrassment that goes with it. So uh, that's why I am open about it, trying to, trying to get people to understand that, you know, it, dyslexia is one in five and it's hereditary. You, when you say the numbers, when you got 50% of people in prison in the world that are dyslexic, you know, there is very few people in the world that are talking about on the levels that I do suicide. Um, you know, I've looked at it many times, drugs and alcohol. Um, been sober over five years. So just the things that people, cause you don't see it, you know, people are blind, get more help than dyslexics, but if you can't read, you can't get a job. If you're bad at math, you can get a job, you know? So it's, it's for, I just try and tell, tell the raw truth so that anybody out there who has it or, you know, gets diagnosed knows that, uh, you know, they're not alone. That uh, that's one thing is that you always think you're alone. Talk about how that morphed into the uh, Brent Sopel foundation now, right? You got that going? Yeah. You know, it's um, obviously after I retired and, you know, the game of hockey is all, you know, and for my whole life for 40 years. And yeah, I would say we didn't, we didn't live in the real world. 
growing up in school, not the real world. Junior is not the real world. Playing pro hockey for 18 years, not the real world. I entered the real world, you know, got divorced. You know, that kicked my ass. And I'm like, Fuck, nobody hired me. Couldn't get a job. So, um, you know, I was doing a lot of drugs and alcohol. And I was almost dead before 40. So I had to get sober to, to be okay with who I am. And, um, you know, still struggle with that on a daily basis. But that's where the foundation came up and um, came apart is that, um, no matter who you are, you're, you're always alone. You think you're alone when you're in a battle, whatever that's depression or anxiety. And it's just, just you're trying to be out there for everybody to, to know that they're not alone, that there's somebody there with them. Now, I don't know if this is uh, and you don't have to answer this question. I don't want to pry too much or whatever, but was there a time when you were maybe at your lowest of lows that is anything that happened that kind of flicked the switch that you decided you did need to get help or a moment you look, you look back on that changed things for you. When you're, uh, when you're in there, no drugs and alcohol, uh, took, took, took a, almost took my life, you know, so I'm here today and, you know, I'm, I'm blessed to wake up every day because you never know. Um, I always say you can't change the past or the future only now, cause who knows where we may not be here tomorrow. You know, that's just, that's just life. So I just try and live moment by moment. And, um, I've had to, you know, take this battle on myself, a lot of it, because, if you don't know, if you haven't had drug and alcohol issues, if you have, you know, struggle with dyslexia, it's tough to, to relate. Just like if somebody's blind, if you really, you, you can close your eyes for a couple seconds and try to understand what they live, but, but you really can't. So I've had to tackle a lot of this stuff on my own. So if we go back and we go back to your last, you get drafted, you have a two great, like phenomenal years in Swift Current. And then in 97, 98, you basically a little cup of coffee, 96, 97 in Syracuse, but 97, 98, you play a full year in, in the American league and you put up some really good numbers. Same as 98, 99, the 98, 99, you get the call up. Now, do you start the season up there or do you get called up? So I got called up. So I, I started and, you know, both seasons were in the minors. I got called up. I think it's right around Valentine's day, uh, you know, in, in February. And uh, I got the call Lonely and hold the first game was in Chicago. So it's funny how, <laughs> how it makes one big full circle and yeah. standing on the blue line. So uh, I got called up to Vancouver against Chicago and standing on the blue line going, oh, there's Bob Probert. I'm going to die my first game. So <laughs> at, least I, at least I got one game in before Bob's going to kill me. So <laughs> try to stay away wherever the puck was. I just tried to stay away from him. So he didn't kill me. Do you have fond so, memories of, of that first game? Like, just going into it or anything happened that day or just, you know, throwing that Jersey on for the first time and like, Holy shit, I, I made it. Right. Oh, uh, it, it's funny. You know, I got the call and I uh, had to go home, use my house phone. Cause there's there no cell phones back yeah. then. Um, you know, call my parents flew from Syracuse to Chicago. And yeah, I remember walking in the hotel with, you know, here I am in moron, you know, I fly with jeans and a t-shirt. So I got to get to the hotel, get my room and put some dress clothes on before I go and meet the team. And, um, I, you know, I did say, you know, I made it, but like I said, I didn't think I was going to make it to game two after he, you know, starting lineup with Bob across the, you know, and Chicago had a tough team that year. So, uh, Bob Probert, uh, Brown, there's a bunch of guys. I'm like, oh, God. Yeah, I did make it, but I don't know if I'm going to make it any further. So you stay up for five games. Do you stay up for a five game stint then at that point in time? So that was towards the end of the, that was ended up being, uh, yeah, towards the end of the year. So I wrote, wrote it out where we played, where we go. We had two road games and then we ended up going to back to Vancouver, back to Vancouver and playing hockey night in Canada. So 
you know, Hockey Night in Canada against Edmonton, we, it was ended up being a 1-1 tie. Dougie Waite and I scored, you know, back in the tie days. And my parents drove from Saskatoon uh, all the way to Vancouver to be there for the game. So it was, it was, it was pretty cool. I ended up scoring um, my first goal in the third period. Like, I only played like three minutes. <laughs> I was wearing number three. And, uh, yeah, it was uh, my mess was on the ice, Mark Messier, you know, so McGillney, some big names. That uh, always, you know, always remember that night. Who'd you score against? Tommy Sallow. Just couldn't handle my bullet from the point. Flew <laughs> <laughs> through. Yeah, head down. You know, my nice two-piece blade, like my wooden blade. <laughs> so 90, 99, 2000, you split again. Play a few more games in the show, but it seems like more two thousand, two thousand one. You make the show. You're kind of full time in Vancouver. What was that like? You know, when they they give you the nod, hey, like go get a place. And that's, and that's the key word, you know? So that's what it is. So the year, my, my, the first game was near the end of April. Yeah. So there's five games left. Then I got called up that uh, 99, 2000 in February, you know, played, played the string outs. I don't know how many months I spent in a hotel that next year. I got oh. in there for three or four months and they said, get a place. And you know, that's, that's the big thing in the NHL is, when they tell you to get a place, you know, that, you know, you stuck around and yeah. uh, it was, you know, it was a good feeling to, to finally get your own place. Um, you know, that, that's back in the day, that was the key. So I didn't, you know, get your own place. It was hard to believe that, you know, I heard those words after being in the hotel for, I don't know how many, <laughs> four or five months, but you know, it was nice to get that, you know, get that call. But in that same breath, it was, it was, you know, every day I had to worry about, you know, looking over my shoulder, who's there to take, that's one thing that people ever never understand that you're always looking over your shoulder. They don't care who you are. What have you done for me lately? Have you haven't, you haven't scored, you know, they pull you out, you know, somebody else takes your job. They don't care. I was going to say, did you ever get overly comfortable or was it always like, I just got to work my ass off to, to stay here and, and keep this thing going. There was never a day, you know, somebody asked me the same thing and there was never a day where I thought I felt like I made it. You're always looking over your shoulder. I played so many games hurt or broken bones because somebody comes in and takes your job and, uh, you know, plays well, and guess what? You're done. You know, they don't care who you are. They all, every team says it's family. They, you know, they all lie. They don't give a shit who you are. You're a piece of meat. And um, what have you done for me lately? It doesn't matter what team you are, what organization, you know, they're in it for themselves and only for themselves. What I got to ask, sorry, I can I ask a question on, on the heels of that. What is the, what's the worst that you've ever seen a guy get, you know, done by, by a team where, you know, he's, you know, doing everything right, maybe out of the lineup for an injury or something, and then just see you later. I could, I could probably name you, name you a thousands. You know, they, they honestly, they, they, they don't can They can, they'll tell you one thing and all you want, you know, they'll tell you this, this, and this, and then turn around and do the exact opposite. Um, what you got to take their what they say with a grain of salt. They truly um, don't give a shit about who you are. You know, again, I guess the biggest thing was they always talk about family. That is the biggest lie, you know, in the world. None of them, not one team cares about family. Yeah, so you just you have to live it by day by day, unless again, unless you're you know Connor McDavid or you know guys like that nature who are you know obviously and uh, a league of their own, but, um, and only care about themselves and those guys themselves. So 
Um, it's it's not what everybody thinks it's all cracked up to be. Nobody sees behind the scenes that going on. Like, you know, I got traded at deadline many times where I've got, you know, wife and kids and you're gone in 12 hours and you never know when you're going to see them again because the kids are in school. What was the worst one for you? Worst trade? Uh, you know what? Probably my first one. That was the hardest one, you know, after, after lockouts, you know, um, 04, 05, after missing a whole year of salary and playing games, um, coming off to, I think I had almost 45 points. I think it was 43 points the year before I got traded to uh, New York Islanders, you know, so I went from, you know, Vancouver where that was the team I drafted by minors, made my way up there, you know, playing, you know, if we, you know, we had some good opportunities to win some cups and then, you know, that first one's always the hardest, you know, that wasn't at the trade deadline, but still the first was hardest. You know, I got traded many times at, the, at Atlanta to Montreal at the trade deadline. Um, again, you get traded, you know, get the call at 4 PM. You're on the 6 AM flight and you're off and run. Let's talk about, uh, so you, you play in the show for a little while, you oh six oh seven you end up back in Vancouver. Then you end up in Detroit on a tryout. Talk about that. I've heard a little bit of a story uh, behind that. I heard it's which, pretty good. Which one, you know, and this goes, this goes back to, you know, I got traded from LA to Vancouver at the trade deadline. I was, I was walking my, you know, uh, daughter and the dog down the street called me, say, we just traded you. Um, so I turned around back, packed my bags and I was on the flight 6am to St. Louis the next morning. And, um, you know, didn't play too well. You know, I, you know, I struggled. So coming out of that, you know, free agency, nobody, uh, nobody bit. Um, again, that, that falls on my shoulders. I, I didn't play well, so I can't expect, you always hope, but you can't expect anybody to sign you when you, when you suck. So, um, you know, I didn't have good playoffs and, um, that lands on my shoulders, but Detroit today, listen, um, you know, listen, we'll, uh, come for a trial. You know, we're trying to find, we've always been trying to find a partner for Nick Lidstrom. Kenny, <laughs> you, what? What? <laughs> So I, I went there and um, went to training camp and obviously um, awesome guys, uh, Nick Lindstrom and Holmstrom, and just um, all P, just um, awesome drapes, amazing guys, you know, Zetterberg, Datsuk, they played for each other. You know, they didn't, you know, Babcock was a coach and everybody knows him, what a dick he is. And um, obviously in Saskatchewan, what a, what a gutless person he is. So um Played well, you know. I got a I got a contract offer for a one year deal. Um, we we're actually on the way to the airport to fly to Toronto to play. My agent said, "Hey, listen, got a one year deal." At the meantime, you know, we we're talking to two or three other teams, and this happens every year. Like, hey, listen, every team's like, uh, you know, we want to see how the younger guys do in training camp. We want to see how I do an exhibition. Well, lo and behold, as I'm in the air, my agent calls Chicago and says, "Hey, we'll we'll give him." Uh, you know, one-year deal, uh, guaranteed him top four minutes. And that's what it was for me. Because the one-year deal offer was, listen, you're going to be in and out of the lineup with Shelly. What? Me and Shelly don't stand by my So my ass will be pasted to the seats for the year. My crew will be over. You know, I may win. So I'm like, listen, we land in Toronto and tell, tell uh, Kenny Holland that I'm taking the one-year deal. He gave, he gave me 24 hours to exercise my option. And I exercised it and it wasn't the money. Chicago gave me a little bit more money, but they guaranteed me top four minutes. So top four minutes to playing with Chris Chalios, who's, who's obviously Chris Chalios and who he is, you know, I don't even stand a chance to, he's always going to take the lineup. So get to Toronto, 
my agent's calling, can't, can't get a hold of him, can't get a hold of him, can't get a hold of anybody. You know, we're in the dressing room and uh, it's like five minutes left before going on the ice. I'm, I've, I'm out of my suit, you know, in my underwear. Um, guys like, Soaps, come on, we got five minutes. I'm like, hey, guys, I signed in, signed in Chicago. I'm like, ah, awesome, great. So I had to walk into Babcock's office, tell him I'm not playing. Oh, I said, you know, Babs, under the circumstance, I'm not playing. Oh, my God. He went bananas. When lost, and this goes back to, you know, this is goes back to, um, they don't care about anything. You should, you know, Kenny Holland's like, you should be out there. Well, if I blow my knee out, you're not going to sign me, and they're not going to sign me. So I yep. had to do what was right for me, you know. And that's and that's what it was. There was no, you know, I'm like, hey, Kenny, this is not how I work, but you know, this is what I have to do. And he's like, you should be out there. Well, guess what? You know, you don't care about me, so I got to care about me. And that's how I end up. They left me in Toronto. <laughs> So I had to get, uh, I took a limo to Niagara Falls, stayed overnight there. Falls View uh, Casino or what? <laughs> no, I was just <laughs> trying to get there. And then I had to take a 6 a.m. flight to Detroit. Uh, Uber to, the, you know, at that point then there was an Uber, take a cab to the, to the hotel to get my stuff, fly to Minneapolis to meet the Blackhawks in Minneapolis and play next, no, sorry, St. Louis. They played there that night. <laughs> Did you have to go back? Did you have to go back to the rink? Like, did you have any gear at the rink, or did you just straight no, hotel so, and then? No, so they couldn't because they left me with all my gear in Toronto. Left me with six sticks and my gear in Toronto. Kick me out of the dressing room. Get your shit. Get your suit on. Get the fuck out. <laughs> hey, wow. we, you know, you listen. Did they end up playing shorthanded? Yeah, but did I felt bad for the guys on the ice. I did. I, I did. They were all awesome guys. Had had an amazing time there. But I just what was I? You know. I had to worry about myself. And uh, so, yeah, I wasn't, I had all my stuff. I had my gear in one bag and to the, to Buffalo, to Detroit, to the hotel, to drop off my rental car to St. Louis to make it in time to watch the game. <laughs> what a run. So when you get to Chicago, 07, 08, do you, do you have to change your game at all? Or do you just keep playing the same style of game that you've always played? Yeah. That's funny. You said that. So when I got there, they, they said to me, listen, and Dennis Savard was the coach. You know, obviously, Soap's your older guy. We brought you in, you know, to work with these younger guys. Obviously, he was ended up being Kane and Tay's rookie year. And, you know, we got guys like, you know, Patrick Sharp, Brent Sieber, Duncan Keith. Like, we brought you in to mentor these guys and, and teach these guys what it's like to be a pro and work with Cunt and Dunks and Seeds on the back end. So they said, well, you're not going to play power play. You know, these guys are going to play. I'm like, fuck. My career is going to be over if I don't do so. So at that point in time, I switched my mentality from offensive to defensive, and so, uh, you know, from my drive home. As I'm sitting there driving back uh, back to the hotel, I'm like, ah, I got to change my game. Now. So I, in that little time frame is where I went from offensive to shot block and defensive defenseman to, to stay around and, uh, you know, long make my career longer and hopefully, you know, land that obviously stay on the cup. Were you, were you worried at all? Uh, you know, you talked about how teams treat you basically like a piece of meat. Were you worried at all, uh, in Chicago early mid, you know, that, that maybe they were going to do something and, and you weren't as secure as you thought? Well, they, they tried to do something for sure. So, um, later on, um, you know, I ended up, ended up having that good first year. I got the extension. Um, Joe Quinville took over the next year. And um, fired Dennis Savard four games in, and they tried to bury me in the minors. Joel didn't like the way I was playing. 
his new style. So um, they tried to bury me in the minors and either you go to the minors or you have surgery. So I ended up having elbow surgery that year. And the year we won, I had to come back. They didn't want me on the team. They tried to put me in the minors and um, I had to go back and remake the, you know, remake the team. And, you know, they had me penciled in to be in Rockford. So I had to literally had to go back in there. Like I'm 22 years old and remake the team um, all over again. That's, that's their mentality. They don't give a shit who you are and where you are and what you've done. So let's go to, let's go to that. You know, you guys, uh, you play a pretty solid season 09 and 10, and then you can play 22 games of the playoffs. Take us through that playoff run. Like, I mean, it's gotta be some, it's gotta be pretty special. Yeah. You know, it, that year was always pretty special. Like I said, I had to go back and make the team. Like I was fucking 22 years old again. So yeah. knew we had something special. So it's, we ended up starting the season in, in, in Europe. That's when they were uh, doing, uh, I think it was called the global series. I think they were calling it back then. We went over, played uh, two exhibition games in Switzerland and I'm playing Florida in Helsinki for two games and came back. So, you know, that was, I just did whatever I could. I sacrificed my body and, you know, that was the only way I was going to stay around, um, you know, was to, to be a leader, you know, vocally and, and sacrifice myself, you know, give ourselves to win, you know, penalty killing, um, do whatever I had to do to, to get there. It ended up being a, a special group. Um, I barely made it out alive. You know, I, I took an injection for Angus 45 games in a row, uh, just to, just to play. I, I remember going into the Olympic break. I ended up falling feet first and to get plantar, plantar fasciitis. So I had a walking boot for six or eight weeks, you know, to the rink and I played the game, took an injection just to play. And yeah, my body's still, you know, I always, you know, I'm 44, but you know, my body's 64, my brain's 74. What was Chicago like then? Like, obviously just like from, as a fan perspective, like being in that barn and winning the cup there, like that must've been, well, this must've been buzzing. Oh, it was electric. You know, you, you couldn't even hear yourself talk. It was, it was that loud. And it's the only stadium where they cheer during the national anthem. So every ounce it's, uh, it's, it was electric. Obviously go back all the years we went to Chicago. Chicago was a great city. Um, we always love to go there. We all love <laughs> great food, great partying. Uh, we had a lot of fun in Viagra Triangle, uh, caused some, caused some scenes. And, you know, at that earlier, you know, earlier in the two thousands, like, oh, they had shitty teams. Like you know, they mail them the two points and just let them ha- let us have some fun out in downtown Chicago. And, you know, we did that, but it's a great, you know, it's a great city. It's a blue collar city. So it was absolute electric, you know, obviously the first one in 49 years, um, I, the parade, there's two to three million people there. It was, it was, in, you know, it was insane. It was great, great place. Couldn't imagine of winning it anywhere, anywhere else. And it was the the first one. It was the most important one out of the three. Craziest thing you've ever seen on a, on a flight, playing in the NHL all your years. Maybe it's a massive gambling loss or something crazy. Always wondered that question. Oh yeah, I've I've seen twenty five, you know, seventy five thousand dollar losses. Um, <laughs> it's funny, you know, I probably spent half my flights standing up when they landed and standing up when we're taking off. You, uh, you always like to do the ski jump when you're taking off and, you know, telemark landing, <laughs> you take a train, when you take off, you're right down the middle of the aisle. So uh, we, awesome. lived, we literally lived on the road, you know, we're on the road, especially, you know, one of my days in Vancouver, where I think the longest road trip we had was 17 days. Wow. 
and back in it, you know, so we, you had to make it fun because um, I stay out of the gambling. <laughs> I, I suck at gambling. I, can, I can't count cards. I don't two plus two is five. So I don't gamble. <laughs> but I think a lot of guys lose a lot of money and a lot yeah. of heartbreak and a lot of shit going on. So um, that was one thing I stayed away from. The Stanley Cup, like just, we, we had Willie Mitchell on. We've had a lot of guys on that describe it. And most guys can't like, what was it like when you uh, you won your celebration and that thing comes out and you get you get a you know set that thing in your hands and lift it over your head? You know, it was uh, it was a pretty special but empty feeling in my world. Um, obviously, you know, we all won the Stanley Cup many times in the outdoor rink, uh, yeah. you know, a million times uh, to get to, to where we are today. But um, that Stanley Cup has allowed me to do some special things with my foundation. So when I say empty, you know, I didn't even know what was inside of me. Never mind, um, you know, could anybody? It was a, it was a long haul to get there. Pretty special, but it's allowed me to do some some pretty special things for people. Uh, you know, after the game of hockey, seems pretty uh, remarkable that you had the career you did with everything you had going on, and obviously your own struggles. Yeah, it's like I said, still uh, it, it, every day is a struggle, and that's. That's one thing, you know, you can never judge a book by a cover. You have no idea what anybody's going through. That, that lady had get, cuts you off or that guy, you just, you never know what was going on. And my life has, has been in a blender for, for many, many years. And um, it took me many, many years to, to understand what, you know, actually that is. And that's why I can say some of the things I say. It was, it was amazing to win it, but it's more amazing that it's allowed me to do some things for other people uh, like the foundation. I wanted to ask about, uh, obviously you had a couple other stops in the, in the show after Chicago, but you ended up in Russia and you were there for uh, a few years. Most guys, it's like a one and done kind of thing, or maybe they try a couple different squads, but you, you had what, three or four years over there? Yeah, three years. I played in two cities and, you know, it was amazing. You know, um, it extended my career. I ended up uh, being able to get my thousand professional regular season games, but I was in and out of Eastern Europe. Sweden, Switzerland, Finland, Belarus, Kazakhstan, you know, Latvia, just places that nobody in Russia, Moscow, St. Petersburg, Kazakhstan, like just places that you'd never say. So I loved every second. One of my best friends to this day uh, is, is over there. So they, it was amazing. You had to have a, it was a hard time being away from my kids at nine months at a time, but uh, I had nothing but an amazing experience over. I saw some things, did some things, lucky I'm alive, but it's by far the second best league in the world. Some of those guys, you know, I was over there against Tarasenko, Panarin, uh, Kovalchuk. You know, these are just some of the guys that were over there. My goalies were Vasilevsky in Tampa Bay, oh, yeah. Sorokin for the Islanders. These are, the, these are the guys that I was playing against. So, you know, Sorokin was 16 years old when I was with him, and he was he was lights out. Vasilevsky was our starting goalie at 18. So, um, some amazing players, uh, some some crazy crazy cities, and gotten some crazy places. So, I got nothing but great things to say about it. Any crazy stories? Like, obviously, you've probably been asked that a thousand times, but not looking to sewer anybody or or anything like that. Just like any culture shocks or anything that it was like. Ah, culture shock. Listen, I can speak Canadian. I can't speak American. Never mind uh, them Russians. So, you know, <laughs> I was actually sitting in the Moscow airport when the uh, lo- locomotive plane went, plane went down. 
So uh, I was there when, oh. you know, um, Russia invaded Ukraine however many years ago. So, yeah, do I have a lot? Of, yeah, I can tell you some a lot of cra- crazy stories, 100%. But, yes, traditions, it's just not even close to what we understand in North America. I think as, as, as hockey fans, you watch these young kids come over to Russia, at, you know, uh, from Russia here to North America at 16 or 17 to play junior hockey. I think I was 35 going, holy shit. I, you know, I was lost at 35 years old, never mind being 16 and 17. And the languages aren't even close. The, you know, the way they live their life is even, even close to way, the way we live our lives. So um, nothing but amazing stories, but I think it's just – I think we have to give more um, more respect for those young guys coming over here at a young age to try to play because the thing that they have to go through and how they live, you know, compared to what to what we do and most of some of the rinks, the rink where I play, Nova Kuznets, there wasn't even heat in the rink. The fans had their hat, you know, toque and hats on. There was no, you know, smoking still in the rink. So just completely different traditions and, and lifestyles. Um, that than we've ever than us in North America could ever understand. So I want I really echo your your comments about you know being a piece of meat back in the day and stuff like that. And I know with what everything that's been going on um, in the world, you've been you've been very vocal about it, and and that's a fantastic thing. You've really been sticking up for uh, for the guys. What do you think, or how do you think? Um, the game has changed. Like, I, I mean, I don't like it either. I agree with what you're saying. Mm-hmm. And is, is there a way for the NHL to get out of the predicament? I'm going to say they're in, can they, can they do, what can they do to build out of this thing? No, this is, they want it this way. They want, you know, go back, back when we played, it was, it was a battle every night, you know, and you had to be there ready to drop your gloves for, for you and I partnered up together and you had to fight for me. I had to fight for you. That was that's when the bond was so tight on teams because that, that made you who you are, you know, a line brawl where we're all cut up bleeding in the penalty box, but that made us who we were as a group. And that's what brought us together. You know, the NHL doesn't want that anymore. And, and you take a look at NBA, same thing. It's all about the or NFL. It's all about the dash, the dash and the flash. Back in the day, there was no such thing as dash and flash when we played in junior, you know, there was, we were in it together. It was a war for us together. And that's what that's what I love about it was a war every night. Now they want to see the seven five games, the, the six nothing games, the five one games. They want to see that. They think that's that's exciting. And then the no hitters, the uh, the toe drags, and that stuff. And back in the day, that would never, you know, never. If somebody tried that toe drag, I'd break your wrist. You want to try that again? You know, that just wasn't the way of the game. So I, that's way that's the way the life's kind of gone. They all, everybody wants to see the flash. They want to see the, the big one hand catch in the NFL and watch him dance by himself, you know, being selfish. You know, if we ever did that as a team, you know, we would get our asses kicked by our own teammates by doing that. No, it wasn't the one guy in the ice. It was all five. When was the last time you watched a full NHL game? <laughs> <laughs> Years. You know, yeah. I would, yeah, I probably, jeepers. Yeah, you got to go back, you know, many, many years because it's just it to me, it's it's not fun um, again. And people like, let's just say you work at the same company for 40 years. Do you want to go back there and watch somebody work, do the same job you did for 40 years? No. And that's what it was a job. And that's where this is where the hard separation comes between, you know, fans and players. It's not a, it's not a sport to us. 
you uh we're gonna get into our rapid fires and, and wrap it up but just when you look back like on your career and and maybe this is deep, do you have any regrets anything you would have done differently no you know what i i get this sauce no because it got me here today every every i always say every, every hardship uh you, you got to go through it for a reason to get you here today good and bad so i would never you know never change anything i had to go through god had my path laid out for me so i wouldn't i wouldn't change anything all right we're gonna get into rapid fire soaps we're gonna ask you a couple quite well a few questions quick answer short answer whatever i'm gonna start <laughs> with my old staple in the show on the road what was your favorite road city or road barn road barn would uh be detroit the old joe like rats running underneath you know underneath the stand but this this you know the boards are 100 miles an hour and you know playing against the stevie eisermans and and you know guys like that was so um awesome amazing road city was 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 colorado you know getting off there and smelling fresh air uh it was amazing because look we were in new york we were in all these big cities the smog it was just you know refreshing to it reminded me a lot of the old Saskatchewan smell. When you go back to the dub years, is there a guy in the Western League that maybe didn't make it to the NHL, but you remember just being an unbelievable player, whether he was on your team or on a different team? You could probably go back every single year. Um, I'll go into go back a little bit for go when I played the minors, a guy named Lonnie Bohannis. Lonnie Bohannis. He played uh, in Vancouver. This guy was ridiculous. He ended up Toronto Maple Leafs. He ended up having, getting called up for the playoffs, playing with Matt Sundin, seven points in seven games, but just could never make it. You know, didn't play enough defense, and that's what uh, people never ever saw. You know, he was he was the biggest name, but you know, very rarely. You know, you go and you probably go to the top ten of those scoring every year in the last thirty years in the dub. A lot of those guys never ever make it. So. Um, it's, you can dominate the WHL, but it's a big step to ever make it to the NHL. Who's the best player you ever played against? <laughs> Peter Sporsberg. Unfortunately, you know, he got reeled by some injuries, ankle injuries, dude. He would put me on my fucking ass so fast. He did the counter hit, come get me and just lay me out every single time. He was so strong. You know, I played against Yager, like the best Lemieux. You know, Lemieux put me on my ass one night. Like, nobody think he's a monster, you know, how big he was. Um, but Forsberg just had that whole package, you know, Joe Sackick. Like, just, it was just, you know, stupid guys that I played against. But uh, he had a separate. And, again, being in Vancouver and Colorado, we had a lot of, you know, we had a lot of battles against those guys, a lot of playoffs. Um, he was just a, a league of his own. And it, it's sad that he was, you know, those injuries cut his career short. Who's the best teammate you ever had or your favorite teammate? It goes, man, there's so many different elements to that. You know, guys taking in when you get traded um, on the road, trying to figure it out. <laughs> Lukovic and I, Brad Lukovic and I are uh, talking about 0405. We both signed in the Islanders. That's when they changed the rules. You know, him and I are standing at the Blue Inn during training camp. All right, now, how do we do this? How do we who gets to get the puck? We can't hold anybody up. Like, what are we supposed to do? You go in. I don't want to get it. You go get it. No, I don't go get it. You know, it's just the little things like that. Um, there's always there's always smart asses. You know, everybody's good on their own level because we're on the road for 82 games and playoffs. It's just you live you live with each other every single day. When's the last time you had the greasy long hair? I was expecting to see the. That's how I remember Brent Sopel. Fucking greasy. What are you talking about? Hey, <laughs> boom. You know, it was a little <laughs> greasy, maybe back in the day. 
somebody told me I have to grow up. I had to cut it off. <laughs> it's been, I, I cut it off about, uh, I don't even know, four or five years ago. Uh, no, but somebody said, listen, you got to grow up. I don't want to. <laughs> so I know you haven't been back to Canada a whole ton, but is there anything like, is there a food or anything that you can think of? That you'd be like, Oh my God, if I get Give me back, my pierogies. Give me a yeah. my pet of hair. Oh yeah. Mushroom sauce, a little ketchup <laughs> all day long, boys. You know, it's, uh, it's God country. I, you know, I love Saskatchewan. Unfortunately, you know, my life is here, you know, in the U S I don't get back, especially now with all this COVID stuff and like that, you know, who knows when it will be, but, uh, it's part of my heart. It's who I am, uh, front and center. I love it every single day. But if I could get pierogies every day, I would be fatter than I even am right now. <laughs> That's a good way to wrap her up. Thanks, Soaps. You know what? You're a, you're a ski gentleman. We really appreciate you coming on the pod and uh, telling your story. All the best to you down there in Dallas. And uh, you're you're welcome back here anytime. You're amazing. Yeah. Thanks so no, much. Sorry, sorry to a little clusterfuck last week. But uh, you need anything, you know where to find me, buddy. Thanks, pal. We really appreciate right, it. It was great. All right. Take care. Thanks. Thanks. Bye-bye. Have a good one. And the interview wrap up for 2020 Geomatics. That's right. It's it's chopping up land season. Did you ever get it? You said you got a lesson. One of you guys got a lesson in chopping up land or you're going to get a lesson. I got a a 20 minute, 20 minute seminar there. That was just uh, what do you call the start of the book before chapter one, the prelude or something like that forward. I will. I will Forward. say yep. I was out hunting today and uh, actually ran into a 2020 geomatics truck, double quads on the back. Boys were out, buzzing, no white sunglasses. And I texted Vance and said, Hey, the boys are buzzing today, working hard. He says, yeah, they're just flying drones today. I was like, Oh, what a gig. And he's like, too bad. None of the nooner boys' applications got accepted. That's what he said. So yeah. Didn't uh, didn't think we made the cut. If you need land survey, you need to chop some stuff up. Malcolm Vanstone, his team, great guys. They work with a lot of the small communities because they're just damn good guys. So sit down, have a coffee, maybe play a little shuffleboard. With, you know that those kind of guys. So 2020 Geomatics interview, like we talked about, surprised the crap out of me. And does he shoot from the hip? I really liked his candid comments. Because I've said it before, obviously I didn't play at his level, but I've said this before that you are, you're a piece of meat and it's a job. Like you, you're every night, there's somebody that can take your, your job away from you, which I get it. It's the business, but it is a business. And he, uh, he really got into that. I thought that was cool. I think it's pretty remarkable that he had such a great career. Like he didn't get fully into it, but going through everything he went through, he obviously had some issues like the undiagnosed dyslexia and like you mentioned, alcohol abuse and all that. The fact that he played as long as he did at as high a level as he did is actually pretty impressive. Just going to the rink exhausted is the only way he could play. Like, that's just insanity. Oh, yeah. Forgot. Yeah. Went to Disneyland Insane. and then went and played hockey. <laughs> Roller coaster all day and then went and played a game in the show. It's like, Great, it's uh, like, it's like Fowler's guys going to work them hard and then they got to show up at the Carnduff Bar and buzz. <laughs> full yeah. of pizza. Anyway, yeah, no, Brent Sopel, he was uh, he was great. And uh, thanks again, 2020 Geomatics, Malcolm Vanstone. Appreciate it. Before we get into our senior talk, I want to get into Take a Seat Sun this week. It is brought to you by the Rusty Shovel. Hopefully you got a chance to go see Sean Steffen, who is texting me selfies with Sean Kindop. That was kind of weird, but uh, <laughs> hopefully you got a chance to go see him down at Ms. Canadian Digger. Western Agribition. If you didn't, go see him at his location uh, in Regina and, Get your landscape uh, 
DIY projects ready to go. And uh, yeah, he's got those new thingies there, the compact track loaders and a whole bunch of other stuff at uh, the Rusty Shovels. So check them out. Anybody got one this week or what's the scoop? I'm waiting for oh, this yeah. one. You've hyped this. this you got you, 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 it. And I know what it the is. The floor is yours. Never? I don't even have one because Boz's is going to be so good that I just, uh, I won't even be able to comment after. This is completely overhyped. It's like going to be the biggest, like, let, the air, out, let yeah. the air out of the balloon. It wasn't as good as everybody thought. But uh, so, yeah, I don't know. I want to tell uh, Shane Belter to take a seat, run into the old belts at uh, the rodeo with Mike Fowler and, uh, He's got his little boy, Sammy, there. So we're having a couple cocktails, visiting with old Foul Supper there. And Shane, out of the blue, his phone rings, and he, like, hops up. He's like, I got to take this. So it, it turns out it's a Zoom call. And I'm like, why does he have a Zoom call? At like It's a work p.m. Zoom call. I forgot about it. Yeah. At 9 p.m. So he's like, I got to take this, boys. So he leaves for, like, 40 minutes. <laughs> Leaves his five-year-old son with me, who annoyed the hell out of me for like 40 minutes. All of a sudden, I'm babysitting his kids at the rodeo. And for like 40 minutes straight, his, his son, Sam, is just like yelling the whole crowd, boss sucks, boss sucks. Like, just out of control. And I'm like, where is your dad? Like, you're making a scene, kid. Like, what the hell is going on? True anyway, story. Shane comes back. He's still on this Zoom call. He's sitting at the rodeo in all Monday nooner gear on this Zoom call. <laughs> I blocked the video and turned off the sound. Yeah, just held it to my ear. I looked over. There's like five 70-year-old men and Shane. It's like, tell them you got to go. Yeah. And uh, nope, he sat on a Zoom call with his phone up to his ear for the whole uh, rodeo. Turns out it was about fishing. Dedicated employee that I am. Yeah, dedicated employee. So yeah, I can take a seat, and I don't even have one. So I'll uh, I'll let Barney go. And it was like Fowler was there, and you left your kid anyway. He's like, yeah, nice to meet uh, Shane's kid. Haven't really yeah. seen uh, Shane here, but uh, anyway, don't be that guy. Don't be that guy. Yeah, foul supper's a beauty though. All right, well, if we don't have any more, Boz, I'll I'll chuck one in. I got to take the limelight off me a little bit. This isn't a this isn't a singular individual. It's a it's an it's a person that when you're in a hurry, it doesn't matter if you're in a hurry. You're, let's say a main street, you come up and you're like, oh, there's someone at the crosswalk. I better stop. I'm going to fall. And you stop. And they take their sweet ass time. You brought this crossing. up last week. Yeah. They take forever. And they're looking at you. And you know they're like giving you the eyes like you have to wait for me. I just want to fucking run them over. Anyway, those people can just take a seat. <laughs> we talked about this. You that was your taking a seat last week. Yeah. Was it really? Yeah. I don't remember that. Okay, cut that take out. a freaking seat. No. No, you can't. You got to no. keep that in now. Take a double seat. Yeah. Uh, I have Wasn't one. Wasn't that yours last week? No, was, was it? No, it was yours. Yeah. And I said, if you're in an American or a big city, you don't. they don't yield to you. Okay, take that out. You got to get. <laughs> no. Get I have one on the heels of the double take a seat. Um, I did have that it was mentioned that aggribition is the sport and gene coat capital of Canada for that week. Gene coat. Sorry. Sport coat jeans capital. It's a very good look uh, for Cowboys, especially with the cowboy hat. I've always gotten that one, but I, I just, you know what? It's like uh, women 
that wear high-waisted jeans. Those I don't understand how that became like a good look. The high-waisted jeans look, or the big glasses on females, like the Marcel Como glasses. Yeah. I don't, I don't understand. Like who is it's who's all coming back? To, so the jean and sport coat, I find like it's like equivalent to uh, North Face and tuxedo pants. Like he wouldn't wear that. It's two opposite things. Sport coat, slacks, jeans, flannel shirt, or something. I just, I never, I never got it. Um, someone explained it to me. It's not like I'm going to start wearing Kenneth Cole slacks and a zip hoodie. I just, I need someone to sit down and go through. And then it's the, some of them are just, they're, they're not the right jeans. They're not the right sport coat. So I just, Need a dark jean, right? Can't be a lighter jean. That looks bad, but uh, like a like the really, really, really like a Kirkland, like, but the Kirkland jeans and the baggy sport coat, just that's not a good look. Doesn't do it. High waisted jeans. I don't understand them. Let's take a seat, son. This week, take a seat, son. All right, senior hockey soiree time for sport clips. Walk in there and say, hey, I've never been here. They're going to give you a free haircut. Great place to get a haircut in Regina and Saskatoon. Sport clip, free uh, buzzes right now. So are we? where are we going to go first? Because there's some great matchups. Tomorrow, the top 10 show comes out, and there's going to be another shakeup in the top 10. The top 10 last week, we had new honorable mentions. Let's just go through the top 10. Saudi, Milestone, Grenfell, Wilkie, Wadena. Then at five, Balcaris. Keniston was four. Foam Lake, three. Eston, two. Drake, one. There's going to be movement next week. There was the Keniston-Eston game, which was the game of the week. Cost me five bucks. What did that end up, like 6-2? Something like that, yeah. And I heard that Keniston absolutely uh, dominated ran over Aston in terms of just their depth. And apparently like, uh, yeah, a much deeper team from what we've heard. Uh, people are saying anyway, we don't want to give it all away. Cause we want to say some for the top 10 show, but yeah, that was the big matchup. And then didn't metal Lake boss get on. You said earlier, they got on the winning ways the first W yeah, they got their first W they're quite a ways from the top 10 at this point. Uh, to be honest, I think they're one in three or one in four in the Sask Alta. But uh, yeah, there's lots of big matchups in the Super League there last weekend. Uh, I know Lumsden, uh, Odessa beat Lumsden 5 3 Friday, then they lost to Belcaris 8 5. So Odessa Vibank, who has been making some waves, went one and one on the weekend. Um, Milestone beat Seldy 6 4 and then beat Bethune 6 1. So a nice weekend for the uh, Milestone Flyers. Um, Lumsden blank Seldy five, nothing, which was interesting. So yeah, Lumsden split on the weekend and uh, lots of action there in the super league and another big weekend coming up every weekend's big in the super league. When you got some of the top teams, uh, going every weekend. So working man's league, the big six, like things there are on Ramusaman's still undefeated at two and oh, they played, they beat, uh, my twice. Yeah, nine one. So K Musiman, hold on. We got we got to wait and see. But Redverse, how are you, Redverse? What are they? The Rockets? Redverse is on it. They're two and zero. Oh. They beat. I'm trying to think who they beat. They beat Carnduff, which was uh, they they doubled them as they say six they to the, three, and they beat Bean Fate five four, corners, which yeah. we which we were high on Bean Fate. So yeah, the 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 big six, the working man's league, the Sask East is the league that's bothering me the most. 
Can I go quickly back to the big six? Sure, go ahead. Apparently, they don't like me and Bean Fate because I've been calling them the Coilers. <laughs> it started like a year ago, by the way, fellas. But uh, they've been tweeting like crazy, and I think they got every guy on the team to like the tweet where they're like, okay, guys, it's the Coilers, not the Coilers. We're <laughs> a coal town. Like, get it right. We're just trying to have some fun, but obviously it isn't that funny, so... So um, I I will I'll be invited to the awards banquet in the Big Six because my Dale hates Belter, yeah, and Red or Bean Fate is is off you jeans and sport coat <laughs> definitely I'm wearing a North Face and tuxedo pants. Okay, the Sask East is the league that it, it's I, I'm bothered by it because Kenora's three and O, Rokenville's two and O, but they haven't the competition there seems. Way out of whack. When did yeah. those teams play each other? Like, unfortunately, Theodore's only played Ituna too. No offense to Ituna, but there's free spot on the bingo card. Um, they they are at this point anyway. First time back as a senior hockey team. Love those guys. Respect them for getting back in. But they're, uh, yeah, they're not competing with the top end teams. But you're right. Until Rokenville plays uh, Theodore or Kenora, I mean, yeah. Saturday, December 11th, 8 p.m. The Kenora Civic Center. Kenora hosting your Rokenville Tigers. So there it is. That's what we want to see. And Use, yeah, uh, Nooner 15% off. Nooner 15 at the gate to get 15% off your tickets go in Kenora. The, go to the ticket window and let them drop that one on them. Uh, Sask Valley, we touched on that. And oh, Sask West. Same as, uh, same as the East. There's yeah. three undefeated teams, four undefeated teams. Macklin 3-0. Edam 3-0, Outlaws, Wilkie Outlaws 3-0, Kindersley 2-0. So there's four teams undefeated, and then there's four teams that are like got one win in five games. So kind of same story. No big matchups this weekend, really, other than Saturday night in Kindersley, I believe, the Wilkie Outlaws take on the uh, senior Clippers. So something's got to give there, and that could have effects on our uh, top 10 next week. No live barn in Kindersley. Like, that would be a nice contest to watch uh, on a Saturday Belter. evening. Balter, you got a Big Mac uh, update like you promised the listeners there last week or what? Big Mac has not answered yet if he's a for sure or not. He's uh, he's really dodging the question. So uh, it's just a wait and see game. Uh, we're out of the loop. We we have no more insider information. We've right to the source and uh, we don't got any solid info yet. He didn't play last weekend. So he did just not. No, note there. No. So, but uh, fellas, if we want to head way down south over to the Div 3 division that I kind of watch over the White Mud Hockey League, uh, Friday night, Cabri beat Gall Lake 7 4. They're now 2 0. Maple Creek and Shonovan were postponed Friday night. I'm guessing due to whitetail hunting season. They uh, didn't have enough players. Boys were out shooting whitetails. So that was postponed Saturday, though. They got back at her. Maple Creek edged out Frontier 7-6. They remain undefeated 2-0. And Shonovan beat Gull Lake for their first win of the season. So, uh, yeah, there's Cabri's uh, going to be, I think, a wagon down there. It'll be Cabri Maple Creek, I think, right to the end. But uh, that's what I got for the White Mud. I have to get you some business cards. Southwest Sask Senior Correspondent. That'd be great. I hand yeah, them out for it. Yeah, thanks That's for that cool. update. That's awesome. And over uh, over the Nauticue, I don't have any box scores from the fellas over there, but uh, we got some uh, we got some standings. Uh, team Assiniboia or Team Moose Jaws are referred to are four and zero still. Gravelberg's two and one. Hodges two and two. Cornex 
only uh, one win and one overtime loss. And Glentworth, 0-4, old Woolworth, the old department store is still without a win this year. I was going to, we chatted briefly about the Sask Valley, but I just wanted to mention the Eston Ramblers. My God, what a fall from grace for them. Uh, oh. Obviously, they lose the heartbreak in Keniston, but then they lost to my Central Butte Flyers on, on Saturday. So they were second in the in the province going into the weekend. They dropped two. They're now four and two on the season. So Foam Lake was out of town. You're uh, you're hanging with Central Butte. Foam Lake and Wadena were on the road. So Central my Butte si- got the call. Side squeeze. Okay, yeah. let's not give out everything because we got the senior top ten show coming up tomorrow that you want to tune into. Let's get into player of the week nominations and honorable mentions. I have to look again to Ryan Keller in Outlook. Outlook. Uh, lays a dirty old apricot sack beating on Dinsmore, 11-1. Ryan Keller, four goals, one assist. Uh, Nukwama, Luke, was that his name? Luke Nukwama, yeah. Yeah, two and one. And then Tim Spencer, two goals, three assists. Logan Stevenson, one and four. Like, it was was have a point night against Dinsmore. And then I was like, well... De Silva must not have been playing for Dinsmore that game. Oh, Steve-O was in the lineup. He had a one assist. So I am not sure what happened there with Dinsmore. I don't know if they're, as they say, reading their own press clippings, but Outlook took it on them. So I, I don't know. Ryan Kellery gave an honorable mention. So that was one game that stood out. It was really have a point night. What about uh, you mentioned earlier, one of you guys, Odessa and Vibank. A team, the Bruins. team to watch. Like, I, I like this Milligan fella. Sounds like a kid. His first name's Iman. He's either like really young in his 20s or he's 73 years old. So we're going to go with young with a, the Iman name. Uh, he's lighting it. He's already got 10 points. So I like, you know, he's, he's vying. Oh, yeah. This is the player of the week, by the way, brought to you by. Richie Brothers, Richie Brothers Auctioneers, auction season uh, for the next little bit. Lots of big sales coming up, barbieauction.com. But you get that last mountain shirt too, got to mention that. GB Construction, bunch of beauties over there. I got to shout out Shank, uh, or sorry, honorable mention, I'll call it, I guess, for player of the week. He It strength the schedule, right? We keep going back to that. So he just, he can't squeeze in. I gave him one last week. Got to give him another one. Cabri beats Gull Lake, seven of four. And Kenton Dooley pots four goals and an apple. So uh, yeah, he keeps the he keeps the streak going. I'm thinking he's going to have to put up five points a game consistently or more to uh, to maybe, maybe he'll squeeze into a player of the week at some point in time this season. Have you found out if Cabri's going provincials? What are they doing? So rumor on the street is, is that they are probably not going to go provincials because they don't feel they got the horses to play in A and they have too many imports to play anywhere else. So it sounds like they're not going to be playing provincials this year. Got to go. Join with another team. You're going to go. And you never know, right? You never know. Look at the LA Kings. Back in the day, they last squeezed in on the last day, won the jug. You never know. My honorable mention, another one from the Twin Rivers Hockey League. I feel like I'm all out on an island because I, I I really have a soft spot for the Twin Rivers League. Uh, Jeremy Margison from the Rostern Wheat Kings. Two goals, three assists, nice little five-point night against the Cudworth Tricky Maroons. So there we go, little... Uh, 
honorable mention for your roster in Wheat Kings, Jeremy Margeson. In the Valley, we talked about Keniston knocking off Eston. How about some love for Jordan to catch? He had a four-point night against the formerly, or I guess still currently, number two ranked uh, Eston Ramblers. Not only a four-point night in that tight contest, but he was an essential part of the penalty kill, uh, helping kill off all Eston power plays, including a five-on-three in the uh, first period. So all-around great game, not just four points on offense, but also played uh, tight check-in uh, game on D as well, from what I've heard. I... Uh, I got one from a league we haven't talked about a lot. The Saskatchewan Prairie Hockey League. That's the uh, Miota, Spiritwood, Battleford Beaver Blues, Maidstone League. By the way, Miota, an absolute wagon in that league. They're 5-0 and already. They've already got five games under the belt. Best freaking uh, best senior hockey name in the history. Cudworth Tricky Maroons a second. Miota Combines. Best name ever. Senior hockey. Yeah. Well, one of their guys had an absolute... Uh, Heater of a night there on the weekend. They beat Spiritwood 8-3. to three. And I used to play against this kid growing up. I believe he's from around uh, Cutknife area. Justin Waskowicz. Man, was he talented as a kid. I know he played some some junior in that, but he had three goals and three assists. Six-point afternoon uh, for the for the old Miota Combines in Spiritwood on the weekend. So shout out to what, him. What, what league is that again? That's the Sask Prairie. Okay. That Miota team's got some weapons too from uh, the Battleford area. Like uh, Beau Gervais played some good hockey. He's a name on there. Riley Albert, good player. Uh, Jaden Nightingale. They got they got a nice roster. Brody Tatchell. So yeah, they're kind of running, running, running away with that Sass Prairie. But uh, Waskowicz, six point night. Quickly over to uh, the Long Lake Hockey League, Cody. Straker from Winyard had three assists, but uh, Michael Jordan, and he wears number 23 for the Winyard Monarchs. Love it. Uh, Don't know if there's any crying uh, memes of of him, but Michael had uh, one goal and two assists, and he was uh, five for four from the field. (laughs) And he took that personally or whatever that uh, Jordan meme is where he's holding the iPad or whatever from his documentary. Uh, I got one from the Sask West. Brandon Lesko of your Hafford Hawks. He was actually the Sask West player of the week. Had a seven-point weekend, five goals, two assists. Uh, so a nice little weekend for him there. Hafford split out there on the weekend. They beat bigger, and I believe they lost to your Kindersley Clippers, seven to five. So honorable mention out there in the West. Hey, Boz, you know what I'm going to get into right now? Before uh, before Shink gives away the winner, I'm going to explain the Mydale thing. So earlier in the year, uh, Mydale is basically uh, what we heard was consisted of Bantam players. We kind of made a joke that if they scored a goal, we would have to uh, send them some shirts. And uh, so they've been chirping a little bit that they, they got 11 goals for 38 goals against. They failed to mention that. They failed to mention they haven't won a game this year, but it's all good. We, uh, I'm cheering for Mydale. I like the underdogs. I'm giving them, uh, giving them a little cheer, and we're going to get them some shirts for uh, for scoring a few goals this year. So congrats to those guys. And, and I'll jump in one more time before we get to our uh, winner this week. I got a message from Lashburn, and uh, they wanted to let everybody know that they are Fully on board with going by the Lash Vegas keg standards. Yes. Standers another another one sticks. Yeah, they liked it. They really liked it. The keg standards. I'm going to copyright that right now. Just give me a sec. 
They were off last weekend too. They got uh, St. Wahlberg this upcoming weekend. Still, f- still undefeated out in the Saskelta. But uh, yeah, watch out for the keg standers. All right. Ag- so, so can we go to the player of the week? Let's do it. You know what? We're, we're going to the working man's league. Uh, I'm the only one that is allowed in any of the arenas currently because you guys. The, let's go to Redverse. The six-three win over Carnduff. Their goalie Cody Matthewson. I think that's how you say the name. God, yep. I'm getting bad with names in my old age. Cody, where's number 72 between the pipes? So he had the big win in net against Carnduff. Cody, somebody from Redvers, DM us. Let me know. Let us know what size of shirt that Cody wears, and we'll get it to him. I'll deliver it. I'll deliver it. Hand delivered by Boz down there. Don't We're, tell. Uh... In a mustache and glasses mask. <laughs> So there it is. That's the player of the week for Richie Brothers Auctioneers. All player of the weeks win the Last Mountain Distillery Senior Hockey Legend shirt. And yeah, we'll uh, tune in tomorrow for the new top 10 uh, for more senior hockey chatter. Belts, before we wrap up this week, we do got to get into your high tech profiles, uh, hunting, fishing, gambling, collectible tirade segment. Of course, high tech over 25 years in Regina, new location in Saskatoon. They're local. They're awesome. Just like we talked about that auction we did. Trent Meyer stepped up, said, I'm putting in, uh, putting together a Nooner fire pit. Just uh, shows you what kind of guys they are. And a bunch of senior senior hockey, former senior hockey weapons that uh, he's in partnership with uh, at High Tech Profiles. So check them out for all your metal fabrication needs. Belts, what do you got? You know what? I'm going to go back to the hunting story. I'm going to go on the heels of my shooting the deer last week with Sam. And uh, this week, Whole family after a Maggie uh, practice in the car, in the truck, heading home, and uh, out of the blue, uh, Sam has to tell Maggie that the deer that we shot had a wiener and two balls, not one, but two balls. And my wife says to him, "Well, all you know, all men or males have two balls," and he says, "Well, I only pee out of one." So we had to explain some anatomy to him that that's not what he pees out of, and. Uh, so he found that very interesting. And then by the time we got home, I got home and I uh, couldn't find Sam. And I went downstairs and here he was laying upside down underneath the cat, Milo. And he confirmed that Milo too has two balls. So it was a good life lesson uh, this week in the old hunting world. So I had to, I had to share that with everybody. I thought that was quite, uh, quite cute. Why wouldn't a guy or why wouldn't a girl? On the heels of testicle talk, uh, I don't have any. Apparently, I tried the new Last Mountain Distillery Old Fashioned. Yeah, old. It's, it's pre-mixed, right? Old Fashioned. Put it on the rocks and drink it. Guy I was drinking with loved it. I didn't. I didn't mind it, but man, I am soft. When I, I don't drink scotch either, though, right? Like I can't drink. I can drink vodka on the rocks, but oh, but it's uh, it's uh, it's a nice drink. Really different. So they got the Old Fashioned out for Christmas season, but the liqueur. The hazelnut chocolate truffle liqueur that so tastes good. like a toffee fay in your mouth. So good. Oh my, yeah. I was like, where has this been my whole life? So Put la- that thing on ice. Just sip it. Yep. Last Mountain Distillery, local Christmas season coming up. They are the local distillery. Don't get fooled by all the other garbage out there. Uh, head into, if you're in the area, head into Lumsden. They got so much going on. 
at the distillery. Their customer appreciation day is coming up on the 11th here of December. There's going to be even more specials and winning and all that. Or if you're just not in the area, then you can go to uh, any Sobeys or some of the liquor stores, Cherry Whiskey, all that jazz, Dill Pickle Vodka, Last Mountain Distillery. Yeah, great show this week, uh, guys. Thanks to everybody for tuning in. Of course, some love to GB Construction out in Kipling, and uh, they helped us with that merchandise. Stay tuned. Maybe, uh, well, Travis Breezeball with that auction is one of the first uh, owners of one of those new Monday Nooner Tukes. I got to say, out of all of our merch from GB, this is by far the most uh, popular piece we've put out. Like, I've had texts from people I haven't heard from in quite a while wondering <laughs> how to get their hands on a uh, Nooner Tuke. You know, it's like when you win the lottery. Hey, come out of the woodwork. It's yeah. like that with the Nooner Tuke as well. And it's it's massively limited edition, hey, Shink? Yes, very. And we can't order anymore. So, I know uh, one guy, Josh Miller, was wearing his all over. Uh, he managed to get one somehow. But, uh, yeah, he was wearing that thing with pride. Looked good on him, too. His morning jogs, eh? Going for a morning jog in his sweaty old Nooner Tuke. So, yeah, I was wondering why, why you're sweating up your new Tuke. Pigeon. What a weapon. What are you taking us out with, Shink? Well, you know what? For the whole month of December, every deep cut is going to be Christmas themed. Oh, no. It's too early. It's too early. Okay. Then the first one won't. No, oh. you can. I'm just not Christmas music guy. Me neither. I'm sure there are a lot of Christmas music guys. Yeah, I'm going to take it there. out. Is it going to be like a good Christmas song or like? We only have to play like 30 seconds of it. So just, just hit us with it. What do you got? All right. Yeah, Shane, you know what? You uh, you hit it there. We're going out with uh, a little Cranberries zombie. Takes a guy back. Oh, good tune. Love it. See ya. It's not me, it's not my-